Well, one of the four principal functions of the CIA is to gather intelligence and, and ideally forward it to the, the president, the users of information, the policymakers, as they say. There are other functions, however, some of them more legitimate than others. One is to run secret wars, the covert action that's written and talked about so much, like what's happening in Nicaragua today from Honduras. Another thing is to disseminate propaganda to influence people's minds, and this is a major function of the CIA. And uh, unfortunately, of course, it overlaps into the gathering of information. You, you have contact with a journalist, you will give him true stories, you'll get information from him, you'll also give him false stories. And you do buy his confidence with true stories? You buy his confidence and set him up. We've seen this happen in, uh, recently with Jack Anderson, for example, who, who has his intelligence sources, and he has also admitted that he's been set up by them. You know, every fifth story just simply being false. Uh, you also work on their human vulnerabilities to recruit them in a classic sense, to make them your agent so that you can control what they do, so you don't have to set them up sort of, you know, by, by putting one over on them. So you can say, here, plant this one next Tuesday. Can you do this with responsible reporters? Yes, the Church Committee brought it out in 1975, and then Woodward and Bernstein put an article in Rolling Stone a couple of years later. Uh, 400 journalists cooperating with the CIA, uh, including some of the biggest names in the business. Господин Тягнебок, и же с ними. Я это заявляю открыто и достоверно знаю, что это проплаченные агенты Центрального разведуправления США. Ведь мало кто знает, что основной беспредел творил господин Ахметов Ренат Леонидович. Господин Коломойский, глава Всемирного Еврейского Конгресса. Господин Фирташ, и же с ними. Все вот эти олигархи. А теперь это просто прямая оккупация Соединенными Штатами Украины через подставных лиц. Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I am really excited about the show I have planned today. I've got some really important information that I sussed out around a story that was coming out from the Telegraph and how really obvious this should be to everybody that this is what's all this is the reality of most of these situations syria afghanistan i mean anywhere you want to look you can see it, it, yemen specifically and we'll get into this in regard to what they called a, a a dirty water scam and i'm going to show you why this is important as it relates to foreign policy but even larger than that even getting into the biosecurity state with what they point at as a building problem whether cholera or any other number of things they're kind of 
creating this over it's it's all under the same umbrella that seems today and how they can change and react and it creates the same justification but we're going to go through all of this as it pertains to the Colorado story, but a lot of other things around foreign policy today. We're going to touch on the Iran discussion. We're going to touch on Israel. We're going to touch on uh, Ukraine specifically in regard to the Nord Stream pipeline and how all of this as usual connects in its own way. But we're also going to talk about some really important stories in regard to the COVID-19 narrative and AstraZeneca specifically, a story from the daily mail admitting something that, that you'll remember the very point about AstraZeneca and just the possibility of causing blood clots, if you remember, was the reason Whitney and I were both kicked off of Patreon. Now they're coming out and going, we found out why it causes blood clots. Guess who's still kicked off of Patreon for the same reason? Think about how wild that is. And this is because they told us we were spreading medical misinformation for asking whether it's possible it could cause a blood clot. And we're going to show you today how this is evolving, just like all the rest of it, and go through very recent fact checks as of late 2021, still telling you you were a conspiracy theorist for even considering that it could cause blood clots. And here we are. And we're going to go through how all of that overlaps with what is continuing to happen with the explosion of baffling, unexplainable excess death everywhere in the world that correlates with the increase of the vaccination. You know, the places that have lower vaccination seem to have oddly lower excess death. Who knows? We're all baffled, right? We're all confused by the obvious correlation to the very clear dangerous injection that's being given all around the world. And the in, the overlap as well with some information that seems to tie to the Vades discussion and the autoimmune problems, but the finishing point that we're going to get into today, and this will be a long show, I'll tell you right now, and I'm going to try to do it as quick as possible, the AI Bill of Rights, the Artificial Intelligence Bill of Rights outline that just went out from the Biden administration that is concerning. And it's in line with everything else we see happening right now. And we'll go through it today and show you why. It's basically just a bunch of nice flower language that's going to be abused by exactly the people that write it, as always. But stay tuned to the end, as always, because we have a lot of important stuff to get into. Before we get into everything else, I'd like to give a shout out to a the recent show we did. Remember, these are going to be, if I can keep with the time frame, every Monday, Moving Target. My new show on Rockfin. It is a Rockfin exclusive, but I will put the podcast out every time, like a day or so afterwards, so you guys can check it out. But this was a great show we just I just had with Steve Poikinen from Slow News Day and AM Wake Up. <clears throat> really great. You guys know most of my interviews about an hour. And we just had a great conversation and ended up talking for like two and a half hours. It's really important. And, and it's entitled The Insultingly Obvious Orchestration and Coordination of the Reset Agenda. And I think we all can see that that's where we are today. But an important show to check out. I really enjoyed the conversation. But before we get into foreign policy or on the same note of foreign policy, Robert Inlakesh, always doing an outstanding job, <clears throat> put out two great articles today. This one is entitled Israel-Russia Feud Continues. Tel Aviv cautiously backs the West. Now, this is in the context of the energy crisis, the manufacturing crisis that we're looking at, and how Israel has been playing this game between trying to play both sides, as always, as, as we should know by now, the Israeli government has its fingers in all sorts of things, packed in with the Russian government, the U.S. government, the Chinese government, playing the game, right? And, and, and many people argue pulling most of the strings. Now, I'm not sure. I, I do believe the Israeli government is primary in a lot of the things, including COVID-19. But you could debate who is pulling what and who's pushing who, but whom. But the point here is that this is important in the context of the energy crisis and how this is working and how they're playing this game in regard to, I mean, the, the, the real point here, if I'm trying to uh, get the, find the paragraph that I wanted to highlight, I forgot that I didn't do that. Uh, let's see. I mean, it, the, the real point, I don't want to waste too much time on this, not to waste. You guys should read this for yourself, but that Israel is 
definitely playing the game in the foreign policy sphere. And none of this is justified, especially when you get into what's happening with Syria, with Lebanon, and how the Israeli government is playing everyone seemingly against everyone. But the other part of this, and this one is the real point of the energy crisis, Israel to replace Russian gas for the EU, but at what cost? And when you get into this conversation, what's interesting is that this is at the expense of the very people that they're... The argument essentially being that Israel would be the the saving grace for the orchestrated collapse of the Russian nece- the necessary Russian energy for the EU. Except what happened was they weren't able to steal from what they wanted from right now. It's going it's on it's ongoing with the Karish field from Lebanon. This is a back and forth problem that basically Israel is stealing from their what they claim is their territory and using it because it's an, it's it's rich with oil and resources. Now, what's interesting about this is that that's right now could pretty much save Lebanon from their from their economic crisis, which is not necessarily organic. But because Israel's taking it or trying to, it's causing that to stop. But on top of that, this was the oil fields were, that were going to be used to supplant the Russian. I guess vacuum of energy necessity. The problem, though, and this is you can read this for yourself, is that that didn't really pan out because Israel did not have the does not and did not have the ability to fill that gap. But they agreed anyway. And it's obvious because they assumed that they were going to be getting this illegal resource like they do everywhere else that nobody seems to quibble about stealing from the Golan Heights and stealing from everything. They're all illegal locations, but it's a very important understanding between the EU and people like Ursula who are actively supplanting their own people's needs for the agenda making these kind of agreements for the larger agenda, the larger need that has nothing to do with the people on the ground because all of these actions seem to leave them high and dry. But before we get into the rest of it, I wanted to make a point about Liz Truss in the UK and how she just said something openly, or maybe not openly, this is being recorded, maybe she didn't realize, but this is something that we see from everyone, Biden, any of the major leaders all pledging allegiance to Israel before they can get elected. I mean, it's all over the world. And that's not a re- that's a reality, guys, as much as somebody might try to point at that. And that's a racist statement. No, it's a simple fact. It happens every single year, especially in the United States. This is what she just said openly. And I don't even know why this is not a problem for people, seeing as how Zionism is a political organization. It is a political agenda and very clearly has some very alarming reach, especially in the United States and the U.K., But she apparently is unabashedly saying, I'm a huge Zionist and a huge supporter of Israel. Basically, to the next level, like we're going to like like there's any further you can go between doing everything you possibly can to achieve Israeli needs and goals and agendas for them. The government, that is. That's that's just alarming to me. Right. I mean, Zionism is, in my opinion, and based on the reality of what they accomplish and what they do and what other Orthodox Jewish communities say about that group is it's a terrorist organization using Judaism as a cover to achieve its goals. You can ask organized or Orthodox Jewish communities in Israel that get raided by the IDF and ask them how they feel about claiming it's about a, it's that anybody claiming that is anti-Semitic or so on. Anyway, I'm not afraid to talk, point these things out because it's the reality. And this is why we eventually become the world has become comfortable. Human rights organizations like Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, calling them a Jewish supremacist apartheid state. That's a direct quote from Bitsalem. I mean, these are human rights organizations around the world. 
So it's funny how that's a anti-Semitic racist comment that all of the leading human rights organizations seem to say. But yeah, it's, it's all propaganda, guys. These people are influenced by the, those kind of people that are doing these kind of bad things. The Palestinians are the obvious example, but the Israeli government is influencing these kind of actions all around the world. And you're going to see this overlap where I see it when we get into the Syria, USAID, cholera, dirty water scam conversation. Before we get to that, Oh, and this was just the other part about Liz Truss. Before we get to that, we're going to talk about Ukraine. And I just think this is it, this is the kind of like preschool level. And this is actually why I think it was Gordon uh, Dominic on on uh, today yet to this morning's AM Wake Up Show that made the argument that he thinks people like Liz Truss have no idea what they're doing or talking about. I believe that. I think the same thing about people like Biden or Pelosi or you know you could go on either side of all the politics. I think people in these political positions are not intelligent at all. And I think they're put there in most cases are allowed to reach this level because they're pliable and because they're not very intelligent. My point is these people are not the true people in control of what's happening. I mean, you can't look at what somebody like Maxine Waters has to say and think they're actually pulling the strings. That's a pretty hard thing to do. But my point with this is that this is the child level of what they do. In February, UK is saying, we'll crash Putin's economy with sanctions and they're not even shying away from that. Well, because Putin, bad guy, right? So it's okay to destroy the country that all the people there live in, right? No, no, we're, we're fighting for Russians, but what we're doing is destroying what they need to survive. But that makes sense, right? As long as you don't think into it, bad guy Putin, right? It's just counterintuitive. You can't attack, you can't sanction the country and pretend like you're fighting Putin. You're fighting the people of that country. So you're then not working for the Russian people, which we should all see by now. But they openly said this. We are going to sanction the country because we're at the, and even promoting the idea that their economy should be crashing. We want to see the dollar go or the, the ruble go down. Same thing they say about Iran. We just played that clip of Judy, Giuliani saying there's their their currency is almost down to nothing. It's like that's what they promote as the end game. OK, so then UK in October, Putin crashed our economy. I mean, even if that's true, which it's clearly not. How childish of you to say we're going to crash your economy. And then when it happens, you're like, they crashed my economy. How dare they? Like, that's a childish thing to do, right? Because it's, you, you at least got what you deserve when you tried to do it to them. It's not good guy, bad guy here. It's just action. But the point is, that's not even what happened. They crashed their own economy by taking actions, whether or not she's even aware of that. But to bring this into the discussion of Ukraine and the Nord Stream, first of all, because it's still ongoing, how ridiculous this whole thing has gotten. How obvious. Literally, it seems everybody is aware that this was the U.S. government at least involved with this. I personally think it was direct action. That's just my opinion based on historical observation and what they've done before. But either way you spin this, the fact that they said they would stop it, no matter how they could or whatever way they had, multiple people, Newland, Biden, oh, we'll stop it. Don't you worry. If they do this, it will come to an end, right? Or the fact that they were circling the area or the fact, I mean, there's a thousand examples of this, most of which are circumstantial. But it's very obvious. And then you can look at the benefit benefit and cost kind of thing where the only person that stands to lose in the, in with what happened was, Pete, some, was Russia for the most part. I mean, or and just the people of Europe. <laughs> but as Sarah Abdallah points out, and this is interesting because Jeffrey Sachs seems to be kind of outspoken when it comes to COVID, too. And I don't know why they keep putting him on when he's seemingly kind of woken up to all these different levels of manipulation but the shocking moment of truth on Bloomberg, of all places, when Professor Jeffrey Sachs says he believes the U.S. is behind the Nord Stream pipeline. Now, think about how funny this is. The reality, as we should all be open to ex express, is that we don't know. Nobody knows for sure except the people involved and the people covering it up. Right. 
like truly knows for sure because we haven't seen a, an image of them doing it. We haven't seen, you know, but let's be honest, it's pretty obvious as we can all express who is involved here in our opinions, but we don't know for sure. So when he goes on this show and they ask for opinions and he gives them an opinion and they're all talking opinions, but they go, whoa, 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 that's you can't have that opinion. Just realize how ridiculous that is, especially when all of the evidence of any evidence that we have points in one direction. Check this out. This is this should make you laugh because it just shows you how controlled all of this is. Of, uh, the Nord Stream pipeline, which I I would bet was a U.S. action, perhaps U.S. and, and Poland. And he said, I bet. Didn't even say for sure. Uh, this is uh, hey, Jeff, Jeff, we got to stop there. That's a, that's a quite a statement as well. Why space. do you feel Absolutely. that that was a U.S. action? What evidence do you have of that? Okay, but see, think. look at this guy shouting him down. Okay, how about this? What evidence do you have that Russia did it? Oh, crickets. Nothing. That's right. Okay, so then why are you continuing to float that as a possibility? It's just as possible as anybody else. You see how childish that is? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, even his face was kind of funny. Like, that was unexpected, right? He was simply proposing one of the most obvious possibilities. And they just will not allow it. This is as controlled as it's ever been, guys. That's why there's a need for outlets like AM Wake Up, Slow News Day, Last American Vagabond, any of the rest of them that we all have on the show and we all cross paths with. People that are genuinely trying to reach the truth, even if we tend to miss sometimes. Well, first of all, there's direct radar evidence that U.S. Uh, helicopters, military helicopters that are normally based in Gdansk, uh, were uh, circling over this area. We also had the threats from the United States earlier in this year that one way or another, we are going to end Nord Stream. We also have a remarkable statement by Secretary Blinken last Friday in a press conference that he says, this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a strange way to, it's, uh, sorry, it's a strange way to talk if you're worried about the piracy on international infrastructure. As well as the fact that the CIA warned them that it was about to happen. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're known for their prescient, you know, warnings when it, I mean, the only time, what I was going to get to in a facetious way is the only time that happens is when it's in the CIA's best interest. I mean, let's be honest about history and what we can know about what they've done. And I mean, it's, it's just common sense to at least place around them what they've done throughout history, what they've current, you know, it, it, what the, the we lie, we cheat, we steal kind of comments, like the reality of what this entity is. They're manipulative. They lie. They cheat. They steal. You can argue it's for a good end. But wouldn't that then perfectly fit this to do this as in their mind, the good end being to blame Russia to stop the bad guy. Russia is that that's what they do. They create psyops and lie and they the cloak and dagger all for what they argue is the good, the greater good, which would be exactly this in the way they view the world. Right. So it's not even that hard to unwrap your mind around. But still, they just cannot allow this comment vital significance so i know this runs counter to our narrative it runs you're not allowed to say these things uh, in in, uh, in the west but the fact of the matter is all over the world when i talk to people they think the okay. u.s did it and, just to tell you, and, and by, by the way even reporters on our papers that are involved tell me privately yeah well of well, it doesn't show up in our, our media. Exactly. Professor, I, I don't want to get into tit for tat about what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't want to get into facts and stuff. Tit for tat, you know, like, oh, so he can't express his opinion, right? Tit for tat. Nobody's putting up anything other than well, he's putting up a bunch of evidence that they put it. They didn't. There's nothing of that on the side of Russia could have done it. 
oh, well, satellite imagery and comments and direct statements and action. Oh, tit for tat and stuff. Like, these people are ridiculous. How does that woman act like she's not very clearly scuttling away one of the most obvious possibilities? I mean, I, they must know that somewhere. And, of course, what he's saying there is the reality that he speaks to these journalists and they're like, well, you know, we see it too. We just can't talk about it because it's all flipping controlled guys. It's not that hard to understand. And it's very, very, very clear today, more than it's ever been before. Now here is the comment that he was just talking about in regard to um, uh, secretary Blinken, where he literally says, this is a tremendous opportunity. I mean, you just can't miss what these things are. Like this is the same thing they say about everything. The whole never let a good crisis go to waste argument. They always step into it and go, well, you know, COVID-19 is an excellent opportunity for the great reset. Yeah. I wonder why. Um, this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy and thus to take away from uh, Vladimir Putin. Okay, so if they have a stated purpose, which is very clear right there and many times before, to stop that dependence, then why wouldn't they take action against this where they've done it before, whether CIA or anybody else? Like, is it really that hard? And this is my point. I think everyone's out there going, yeah, right, we all see it. Everybody sees it, except these liars who are sh pretending like nobody else sees it. Right. That's the truth. And that's the crux of the whole point here. Everywhere is like that, whether COVID-19 or vaccines. Yeah, they've got a very small, very vocal, small in the context of, you know, what, one percent of the population, which is millions, a lot of people. Right. The point, though, is it's a small percentage of very vocal people that are either unaware or don't care in whatever conversation we're having that they point at and highlight as everybody. That's what's happening. And they're scared. I, I think that. I can't prove that, but I think they're very aware that they've lost control of a lot of things, narrative across the board. So all they can do is just triple down, quadruple down and just go, you're all wrong and you're all conspiracy theorists and try to pass laws that scare you and try to drive you into a technocratic panopticon where you don't have any choices. That's what I feel is happening right now. Come on. I think it's pretty clear. The weaponization of energy is a means of advancing uh, his energy. Uh, it's a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy and thus to take away from uh, Vladimir Putin the weaponization of energy as a means of advancing uh, his uh, imperial designs. Right, right. And who exactly is weaponizing energy right now? Is it Putin doing that? I mean, can you point to even a single action that Putin has, a has explicitly taken that directly weaponizes energy? Everything they point at is an abstract secondary thing that they claim he was responsible for, which you can very clearly dug, dive into and realize they he wasn't. And it was action they took to drive it there or action they took to sabotage themselves to blame on him and on and on and on. It's just childishly obvious. But the weaponization of energy is happening in full spin from all of the West right now against you. And it's just simple enough to say Putin did it as they directly attack their own energy infra infrastructure or directly attack their own food infrastructure. I mean, it's just this silly, isn't it? Uh, that's very significant. And that offers tremendous um, strategic opportunity for, um, for the years to come. But meanwhile, we're determined to do everything we possibly can uh, to make sure that the consequences of all of this are not borne by citizens in our countries or for that matter around the world. Yeah, and how exactly are you doing that? Like literally the opposite is happening. So either you're failing dramatically, which is nothing new for you guys, or you're lying about what you're trying to do because the brunt of this, not even the brunt the the, the entirety of the weight of what's happening is on the, e the shoulders of the European community and the United States and anybody else in, in the, in that wheelhouse, essentially. 
because Russia's economy is doing well, apparently. And maybe there's maybe there's a lie there. Who knows? They I could I would never trust ultimately what any government says promoting themselves. Let's put it that way. But as far as I can tell, their their costs are going down and they keep comparing these things. You are the ones struggling here because of what they're doing to you and blaming anybody else they can. Now, by no means does that mean Russia good guy or Russia trying to fight for you. That's the childish binary thing they want you to fall into. I personally think Russia and the U.S. and all of them are completely in, in league in, when it comes to the Great Reset. Lockstep. That doesn't mean that there's not vying directions when it comes to foreign policy. I mean, it's not as simple as one or one thing or the other. It's always multifaceted. There's always multiple people involved in these actions that can take their own direction, maybe for their own personal agenda or maybe for something else. Maybe they disagree. Like this is where we get into the idea of the intelligence app, the the as Whitney calls it, the tri the tri uh, was it the trinational. I forgot the terms you used. Anyway, the the intelligence apparatus that's molded between multiple countries now versus the old neocons. And that could be the case. It seems more likely based on what's happening. But however you spin it, it's not as simple as that. But you can very clearly see that what's happening is not Russia's fault in the context of what the energy and food and, and water crises that are building right now. And as Caitlin Johnstone points out, again, and this is just the clear nature of how controlled the media is, but why they need to be controlled is because they're lying to you. And she points out, I'm still laughing at how frantically over the top Associated Press went with its, quote, blaming the U.S. for sabotaging Russian pipelines as a baseless conspiracy theory. Like that would never possibly happen, right? That's totally outside the realm of possibility. What they actually wrote, and this is the, the insulting nature, I mean, the word conspiracy theory has now gotten folded into like the QAnon conspiracy. It's everything is QAnon, apparently. You can't have your own opinions if it overlaps with anything even remotely tied to something tangential to the Republicans. <laughs> it's like anything, which is usually somewhere in the middle, but it's all QAnon because it's an easy catch-all. The suggestion that the U.S. caused the damage was circulating on online forums popular with American conservatives and followers of QAnon. Okay, so was it QAnon? No, no, just an area where they sometimes post things. Oh, so that how do you even know they're involved? We don't. But we'd love to couch it on QAnon so everyone goes, oh, that must be fake news and stops looking at it. Because the next sentence says, which then asserts that Trump is fighting a battle against satanic children traffickers that control world events. What does any of that have to do with the fact that this posted on a chat board that sometimes those people use? Why even open that door? It's because you're trying to sabotage the conversation. This is this is the dumpster fire that these people have become. I don't know how they don't see that in themselves. It's pretty pathetic. But the reality is, clearly, it's possible that the U.S. did this. They've done it before. But that's how far they go. And I'm with her. It's, it's laugh out loud. Ridiculous. Now, here is one of the big narrative. Like, this is the reason I opened with that manipulative. That's a CIA agent in the beginning talking about how they lie about these stories, how they drive these narratives for their agendas. And then that was a former, a former member of the Ukrainian government who is speaking on the record saying the people now in charge are CIA agents. Now, who knows if either one of them are lying, but they are thoughts that you should consider. Now, right now, one of the stories that's overwhelming the conversation is, oh, my God, Russia's going to carry out a nuclear strike. I don't know. It is anybody with even two brain cells to rub together buying this. Is it possible? Of course it is. Why would this happen right now? First of all, this is based on the illusion that Russia somehow suddenly losing. I don't even know where that possibly came from, but apparently now they're losing all of a sudden. All the wins this whole time have been taken back in a couple of days and they're losing all of a sudden. And now they're going to strike out with a nuclear attack because they're losing. Why does that even seem like a benefit to Russia? Why? How in the world does that benefit them? It attacks places that are at least connected to or include areas that they just stood by. 
including the Ukrainian people in general, they claim that they're standing behind, but they could be lying. Right. It also creates a justification for everyone in the world to stand against Russia, especially the United States, where they'll use to. I mean, nothing about this is in their benefit at all. It's about as stupid as claiming Assad's going to gas children because he can. And that's their argument. I mean, and it's, it's certainly possible, but there's no evidence to that effect. And in fact, there's a mountain of evidence showing you they're lying. Same thing here. So Ukraine's capital, apparently, as of today, is preparing evacuation centers for possible nuclear strikes. And we, we again, guess what? We were ahead of this story. You know why? Because we're paying attention. Because we pointed out how the Chech, the yeah, the Chechnyan leader came out and said something about a low yield nuclear strike, which set off this conversation. Despite the fact that he was no not in a, like a meeting with Putin, he just said it of his own accord. And everyone, all of a sudden, Putin's threatening nuclear weapons because this guy who's connected to him said so. Or didn't even say so, just said we should as a proposal. If that's even actually what happened, then the point is I, I question all of this and whether he's even an ally of Putin anymore. But the bottom line is it's certainly possible that that could happen. Then it got spun out of control. And over the last few days, the, argue, the statements of Putin recently and in the past are being completely contorted to make it sound like he's threatening nuclear attacks. You know who often argues that we will absolutely strike first if we have the, the need to use nuclear weapons, the U.S. government, Trump, Biden, all of them. We reserve the right to attack for, okay, you know who doesn't say that? Putin or Russia. Now, both of them could be lying, as always. But the reality is, what are they pulling this from then? I'm going to show you right now. And this is from today. Of course, I had this highlighted before, but it's not that long. So I'm just going to go through it real quick. It says, Ukraine is raiding evacuation centers in its capital, Kiev, in preparation for a potential nuclear attack following warnings from the Russian president. That's not true. That's not even remotely true. The, the, what they're trying to make that sound like is Putin said, we're going to nuclear attack you. We're going to use nuclear, nuclear weapons and, and bomb your country. That didn't happen. Saying from, and this is the argument, warnings from Russia that his country would take every necessary action to claim victory. <laughs> That's again, under the, under the illusion that he's trying to overtake the whole country, which there, in fact, there's been no evidence that's been the case. Over and over and over. Now, it still could be possible. It all be a big game of chess. It's always possible. But his actions have repeatedly shown that's not what's the, that's not the intention. Remember the earlier reports about tanks driving into Kiev? That never happened. That was right out of the gate. They wanted it to sound like Putin was overtaking the entire country because they wanted to frame this as an insurrection, which is them fighting back from within an occupied country. Even the CIA laid that narrative before this ever started. I've proven that to you. Why would they call it that? If the, the assumption that Putin was going to take the country, they were hoping that would happen. He didn't take that bait at the very least, it would seem. So the, and then numerous times throughout this process, it's been clear that he hasn't been taking advantage of just overtaking the country. So here we are where they're suddenly because he's losing, I guess he's going to just lash out with a nuclear weapon to claim victory. How would that even be perceived as victory? Only in the minds of maniacs that think bombing a country into nothing is victory. You know, read the U.S. government throughout history. Putin's recent threatened, recently threatened that Russia would not hesitate to deploy nuclear weapons against what he called a threat to the territorial integrity of our country. Now, that's not what happened. You see, they love to half quote and insert what they think he means in the way that they present this. That's garbage, not even journalism. You can't even call that journalism. What he actually said is right over here. This is not a bluff. In the event of a threat to the territorial integrity of our country, understand this is even the Hill, by the way. So they know what they quoted him as before, and they, they point at that and misrepresent it. This is just pathetic. But the, it says, 
in the event of a threat to the territorial integrity of our country, that's Russia he's talking about, not Ukraine, and to, the de- and to defend Russia and our people, which that you might construe as including the people they just allowed to be part of Russia, we will certainly use all means available to, to us. There's your quote. Now, what, who doesn't say that? The U.S. government always even goes over the top and doesn't even say what everything we could possibly use. They also often say we'll use nuclear weapons if need to. But they always say we will leave all options on the table. How is that not the same thing? You know it is. So what they're doing is taking the same comments that every leader makes and spinning it into he just threatened to use nuclear weapons. Well, so too does the U.S. all the damn time then. You get the point. The preparations come following Russia's escalatory move in the war to annex parts of Ukraine. Okay, you see how this is being played. Like this is some kind of escalation. Well, one of the stated purposes right in the very beginning was the Donbass region declaring its territorial freedom from Ukraine. Now we've seen the Donbass region execute a referendum, not Russia, Donbass. And I made this very clear in my last show where Whitney, excuse me, uh, uh, Eva Bartlett, Vanessa Bealey are on the ground proving this over a hundred international observers who very clearly made it, they stated it was completely on the up and up. Nobody cares about the facts though. Of course, the US government will scream what they want. But they did not, they, they basically legally went through a process and they voted to join just like Crimea, which can be proven. But it says the votes were viewed by a large swath of international community, which I'm, I don't even believe that. It's only specific people in their grouping that they claim are the only, you know, the civilized world or whatever the insulting way they frame only certain people. But the reality is a lot of people, including their own allies like Brazil, said no, they didn't. They would not agree to this in UN to, to shout this down, essentially. So even their own allies are not online with this because it's very clear and you can prove that they're lying about this. That's why this, it's never been this clear. And I've never seen it like this. But it says <clears throat> the city council of Kiev says evacuation centers are being equipped with potassium iodine pills, which can help against radiation absorption. Like from what? The fact that he said if pushed, he would defend himself. There's no indication there's going to be an, a, a direct attack. What concerns me is that Zelensky, who is clearly on the defensive in this whole process, who is clearly being abused left and right by both sides, might take this action and blame them. And, you know, nobody would quibble about saying Russia did this. I mean, which I'll even get to in a minute, I think, is in this article. Yeah, talking about the power, the nuclear plant. Well, just I'll wait till I get there. Watch the way they frame this. But it says Putin in making his nuclear threats, which didn't happen. He's basically saying, if you attack us, we'll defend ourselves, appeared to hit back at comments like those from Ukrainian President Zelensky, who earlier this year dismissed nuclear threats as a bluff. And here's where they get into the, the, the they say this is not this is in response to the idea that should they be attacked, that they will push back. Of course, they leave that part out saying this is not a bluff. So we will attack back if we're attacked. And those who try to blackmail us with nuclear weapons should know that the weather can turn point towards them. Right. So if you leave out the part where you're saying that you're if if attacked, we will fight, we will defend if our territorial integrity is attacked, that we will fight back. Then you read that sentence doesn't have quite a bit of different context. The point is they're saying that the nuclear blackmail is happening by the by the Ukrainian government in the context of the Zaporozhye power plant and numerous other examples. But they always they frame it in the other way around. Now, look, to be clear. This is my belief about with all the evidence we can see in front of us. Now, could it all be an illusion? Yes. Could Russia carry out a nuclear attack? Always a possibility. But these are all there's these are arguments that have nothing but narrative to back them up. What you can see, however, in the reverse is open threats of nuclear attacks by people under 
Zelensky's control. And I've already gone through those in the past, openly claiming that, openly threatening things like this. Whether, but I'm fair enough to argue, to point out that they're not in many of them in leadership positions. Azov movement people. One of them is, and I'll show you him in a minute, who just openly threatened Elon Musk. But nobody talks about these things because there's a control in the narrative. Now, Zelensky and the international community, it says, have been on high alert over the potential of nuclear attacks or, in, or accident. That's interesting to conclude, isn't it? During the Russia-Ukraine war. Because Russian forces took the area around the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant the largest such plant in Europe, early in the conflict. Right. You know why? Because Zelensky was controlling it. Well, I, I argue they probably would have anyway, because it's an important location to control in any war situation. And it could be because they want to use it. But why then would they be in the... Like, the point is that during this process, they claimed that Russia was going to blow it up or blame something on them. Then they took it and nothing happened. So it fizzled out real quick. Then Zelensky was continually bombing the nuclear power plant. This is after they said Russia was going to bomb it, and that was a threat to the world. Then they took it, and then Zelensky started bombing it. You can't make this stuff up. And then they go, well, it's a threat because they're there. But you're the one bombing the plant and claiming there's a nuclear threat. I mean, it's just, it's that stupid. But it says the risk posed by nearby fighting and sustained military presence, which is still run by Ukrainian workers, have caused international concern. Not really. It's concerned by the people trying to create a hype. That's what's happening. I think that's very clear. Now, the problem here is that they leave out all of, every, all the, of the, the anything that paints it different than the way they want you to think about it. As he points out here, Zelensky reject this is Hasin Mafi. Uh, Zelensky rejected Putin's proposal for a peace settlement to end the war. And this, this has happened more than once, guys. Now, it doesn't mean that Putin would have been going into it with good intentions, and maybe he didn't have any intention of declaring a peaceful end to it. But the point is, it was put forward. And numerous times now Zelensky's been the one that has disregarded it. So at the very least, even if it's feigning peace, the only group not coming to the table is the Ukrainian military or the Ukrainian government, or rather the U.S. government puppeting the Ukraine government. And we have to realize that that is an obvious picture that they don't want you to see when they paint it as Putin not wanting peace. And this gets into the conversation about the Elon Musk part in a second when he steps up and says, maybe we should have a peace deal. Now, I don't buy something about the way this went down. I'll show you in a minute. But either way, even if it is artificial, there's still good points to be made there. But he also points out, what about the illegal annexation of the Golan Heights, right? As they say, Putin illegally claims annexation of these regions. I can't believe they have the nerve to write these things when they have no evidence to, to, to claim that at all. And there's, over, I think it was 130 plus people, independent, international observers, just like with Bolivia, by the way. Or excuse me, specifically, no, the Libya, it was Venezuela that I was thinking of, where Jimmy Carter and these different groups, and that was the older one, but multiple times throughout Venezuela's elections, that there was international observers, many of which were U.S. allies, that all said, yeah, this was on the up and up. It was legal. Fair election. And the U.S. goes, fake news, it's an illegal election. And they, just, they shout it down because that's what they do. They just take the microphone, they yell their narrative, and they say, intelligence says, and everyone buys it, or the ones that do. So this is clear, was not an illegal annexation. Neither was Crimea. And this is the most childishly obvious thing to prove based on what actually happened on the ground and all sorts of observers and everything else. So his point is, what about the illegal annexation of the Golan Heights, which is now called the Trump Heights, according to Israel? It's illegal. The UN said that. It, it is illegal. There's no if ands, if, ands, or buts about it. But the US still gave it to Israel, Trump's administration. Why doesn't that matter? What about the illegal occupation of Syrian oil fields? Or the burning of their wheat fields. What about any of that? You can go on to most countries around the world. But it's odd that that doesn't matter, right? 
How come no one cares about the illegal actions of the U.S. and its allies? Right? I think everybody does. I don't think the media cares. And I think they paint a picture that changes people's perspectives. But this is, this is where it gets insulting. This representative of, the, representative of the U.S. government opened his mouth and said, imagine, in context of the Ukrainian referendum, or specifically Donbass referendum, imagine someone trying to take your property and simply declaring it theirs. Wow. Think about the ignorance it takes to say that out loud, knowing what the U.S. government has done and is currently doing right now. And that's what he said. Imagine occupying a third of Syria, stealing its oil, burning its wheat and stealing it, and then saying that. I mean, this is my point, guys. This is crazy. Like, they've lost. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't win this back and win, suddenly shift the narrative. But right now, they're losing. People can see through this. And it's not just my perspective or the fact that we're in a, you know, a uh, echo chamber I talk to people all the time outside of these things and I tap into circles in you know Twitter and wherever else. And it's very clear that people aren't buying these things. And it's not because they want to see or they have a political in, in a political interest in recognizing they've been lied to, but it's just becoming impossible not to see. Here is Wyatt Reed. Remember when the collective West demanded the U.S. be sanctioned for invading Korea or Cuba or the Dominican Republic? or Cambodia, or Laos, or Vietnam, or Grenada, or Panama, or Iraq, or Iraq again, or Iraq again, or Somalia, or Haiti, or Yugoslavia, or Afghanistan, or Syria, or on and on and on and on? Yeah, me neither. And he tweet links to Sarah Abdallah's meme that shows this ghoulish person standing at a podium saying Putin is a war criminal, standing on the books of destroyed countries. I mean, it's, it's this, how do people not see that? You can't argue it was all for freedom because you can clearly look back and see what happened to those countries. Look at what happened, still happening to Afghanistan, still happening to Syria. How is that freedom? Look at what Libya. I mean, these are these are very obvious examples of, of absolute destruction under the guise of fighting for freedom. Now, I have a Bartlett who, again, was present. Writes from my personal experience here in the DPR pre 2022. This is in the Donbass region in September 2019. I didn't see any Russian troops. Just one former Russian soldier who came here voluntarily and married here. Now, of course, they always want to paint her as some kind of conspiracy theorist or a liar or a, pro, a Russian stooge. Obviously, you, if you're smart enough, you can come to your own conclusions about it and look at her work and recognize for yourself that it's about as objective as it gets. That's my opinion. But hopefully you can think for yourself and not be swayed by one person's argument. Look at her work for yourself and realize that even if you do think that her work and the source material proves itself. This bot article makes clear there weren't Russian troops here, contrary to the claims of armchair experts. And this is getting into a back and forth of a bunch of people out there that are calling her a liar and saying they stole the country. And, you know, it's, it's just the same stuff. They feel confident screaming these things into Twitter because the U.S. government said that that's the right thing to think. Well, Janice points out, pretending to promote sovereignty and democracy, but actually denying and punishing sovereign decisions while imposing unilateral dictates is a U.S. government specialty. And here's the Hill. The U.S. promises, quote, severe costs for anyone, anyone, even their allies, who supports Russia's annexations of these countries. Legal. Think about that. So they care about democracy and sovereignty and, right, these people literally vote to join Russia and international observers acknowledge that and all they do is threaten anybody that will is willing to acknowledge that was legitimate. This is what criminals look like. Desperate criminals at that. 
Now, Wyatt Reed points out, and this should bother everybody as we get into the conversation eventually about what's happening to people because of the collapsing of their industries and their infrastructure. In seven months, the U.S. government has given $49 billion, $49 billion in weapons alone to Ukraine. But kids here will just apparently have to get used to being hungry. That's a direct quote from NBC. With the end of the free school meal program, some students don't qualify for free or reduced price meals now. And this is while they don't, their family, many families, they don't have the jobs they used to have. And they, their, their businesses are being shut down. Their organic farms around them are being shut down. Their infrastructure, the prices are skyrocketing, right? So now these kids are skipping their lunches. Quote, there's a point where you get used to being hungry. That's what the high school student said. I mean, my God, 45, $49 billion. Your mind can't, anybody's mind can't even fathom how much that actually is. There's a point at which it just becomes impossible to actually comprehend. I've, made, I've played that clip in the past. It's too long to play right now. I'll play it at some point in the future where it shows you even a million dollars in a football field. Like the idea, $49 billion is impossibly large. And don't forget, $30 billion, as the UN said many times over the years, $30 billion alone and world hunger right now. $30 billion. And I've made this point in the past, and I'm going to go into food in another show. The reality being that the U.S. The US alone throws away enough food every year to feed the planet. But who cares, though, right? Who cares? It's, it's just infuriating. Or rather, oh, wait, wait, is that the right? Any case, I, I'm going to go through it in the future. And the, and the reality being that we throw away so much food in this country because of it's misshapen or has weird colors. And the food is wasted. And we act or, or this we spend 50 billion dollars on neo-Nazis, fascists and Nazis in Ukraine and act like we can't fund people that need it in this country. It should really upset you. Now, realize this clip here, as you as you're seeing, these are arms supplies from the U.S. government to countries of the world from 1950 to 2017. I just recognize I'm going to skip ahead because it takes a little bit long to kind of progress. But just this is in 1960. Look at the weapons being sold all around the world into many of the very countries they later end up framing as the bad guy. The real point to take away from this is many of the countries, in fact, most of the countries this stuff is flooding to are top of your list, top 10 of the human rights violators around the world. I mean, this is constant. Now, just to skip ahead so you guys can see how this evolves, I want to just get like post-2001. You can see that this just gets, it continues to expand. And it, this, how can you paint this picture and then walk away feeling like, let's just say this, let's say you removed the flow of these weapons. Where else are they coming from? The U.S. government is the predominant arms sailor. They're the ones perpetuating the very violence led by all the arms in the world. Now, I'm not going to say that somebody wouldn't step up and fill that bill, but the point is that they can't continue to act like you're fighting for freedom when you're the ones arming the people that you're acting are the problem. It should, this, all this stuff should upset us, guys. This is alarming stuff. Now, here's David Sachs pointing out the Elon Musk overlap, and I found this very, very telling. He says the fact that Elon Musk could be attacked as pro-Russian, which did just happen, because he simply suggested a possible peace deal, even though he gave Starlink to the Ukrainian war effort, let's not forget that, shows how warped and intolerant the public conversation has become. And it's not new. It's not, it, it has gotten worse than usual, but it's always been warped and intolerant. That's by design. But the problem today is that they've lost control. So these people have become rabid animals, the ones that are still on that side. 
as he says, the vast majority of the woke mob attacking him haven't contributed anything to the Ukrainian war effort except a blue and yellow emoji. Now, I get from this, I'm not familiar with this guy's work. I get from this that he argues that support of Ukraine is a good thing. Yeah, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Not that the Ukrainian people don't deserve support, but the neo-Nazi fascist element that is running that country at the behest of the U.S. military and the CIA, look up Operation Aerodynamic from 1948, is the point that, is that it's not in your best interest. They're not even in the interest of the Ukrainian people. But this is happening, and it has gotten out of control. Oh, hold on. Make sure I didn't... Okay, yeah. Sorry, I was making sure I didn't skip something. But think about how crazy that is, first of all, that, that Elon Musk, who I'm going to show you in a minute, is outspokenly pro-Ukraine, gets attacked as pro-Russian for simply arguing that they should stop. Like the idea that this should be only end with Russia losing at all costs is basically what these people are saying. How do you, not, how do you feel like that doesn't frame the, that your life is expendable, that your interests are expendable? It's all, at the, it's all in the interest of the agenda. That's what this has become because they frame the agenda as in the interest of the people. That's it. Simple. Did you prove that? No. A thousand things that show you the opposite of that. But as long as they say it's for freedom, right? That simple. Or they take it on the chin because it's for freedom or because the Great Reset or because climate change or whatever they say. And people that are the small 1% that I'm pointing at gobble it up and they frame them and the screaming people on Twitter as the only people that matter. Hasin Mafia also points out, wondering if they're going to add Elon Musk to the Ukrainian hit list or not. Oh, that's right. I forgot to look this one up as well. The, these are real, by the way. I just, the point is I did that with this one. This is a real tweet. I'll show you this next. This is Zelensky actually putting out a poll that says, which Elon Musk do you like more? One who supports Ukraine or one who supports Russia? I mean, think about how childish that is. How alarming that is to just pick him out of this conversation and frame him in a way that is problematic to what you're doing because he asks, he proposes that maybe you should come to the table. Why do these people even have influence? The point is you can see that people like this are, are influencing the conversation in a dangerous way. But here's the worst one. This is his right-hand man, essentially. Right. And we've talked. This is the guy that was alive on the air before all this talking about how he relished the how he respected ISIS and what the, how they did things and how that's the way we do things as well. And all, we, I've played this many times. This is what he posted, a picture of Zelensky handcuffed in a chair. And he says, we worked promptly. How is this even allowed? I mean, think he is openly threatening Elon Musk for proposing that they have a discussion. The government does, and how do you not see this for what that make for what they are? These are this is a leadership in the Ukrainian government, openly threatening Elon Musk for simply having an opinion. That's just wild. This is who these people are. That that's my point. Every how do you not see that? You're gonna pretend like that's a good thing. At the very least, that that's democratic. I mean, my God, you've got to be something special, stupid, to, to think these people are not the worst of the worst. Now, here's what I find the most telling. Elon Musk speaks up, this is yesterday, and says, let's try this then, in response to the whole conversation. The will of the people who live in the Donbass and Crimea should decide whether they're part of Russia or Ukraine. Who can even argue against that, first of all? And of course, 59% of people in his conversation said yes. Because that's the reality. Most people realize that you should. Because don't we realize that's exactly what the U.S. government pretends they think? That people should be able to declare freedom? Or even, how about just Taiwan? Doesn't even need to. We'll just claim they're free because they, we say so. 
They haven't declared independence. They haven't tried to go through processes like these people have. But we'll just pretend they're independent because it's beneficial to us. Anybody should be able to. The point is they only care about ones that work for them. But rightly so, Eva Bartlett chimes in and says, you're eight years late, buddy. I added the buddy. <laughs> also, during the five days of voting, Donbass citizens made their will clear. You see my, you see how this game gets played? Acting like Elon Musk is proposing that they get to... It's already happened, man. And you know that. They already voted in a legal referendum that nobody wants to acknowledge. Or in the context of the U.S. government. It happened already. It's over. Now, here's what he says after... Here's what he says in addition to this same day. This is mind-boggling to me, after, especially after making this statement here. Here's what he says in, in response to this point where he makes about the he gave Starlink to Ukraine, right? Because he did. He says, Elon Musk, SpaceX's out-of-pocket cost to enable and support Starlink in Ukraine is $80 million so far. You know, Ukraine, the very first country to establish all of the Great Reset Agenda talking points. That's, not, that's their statement during being invaded, because that makes sense, right? Our support, he says, for Russia is $0. Obviously, we are pro-Ukraine. Way to shout that out, Elon Musk. So you're, you're pro-neo-Nazi fascist elements controlled by the CIA. Yeah, I think we all should realize what Elon Musk ultimately is on the side of and playing this game all the time. Putting has a very way, also, he has an outstanding way of shoehorning himself into every conversation. Trying to retake Crimea? What do you, what? Trying to retake Crimea will cause massive death, probably fail, and risk nuclear war. This guy is towing the, the narrative right now. This would be terrible for Ukraine and Earth. Really? So, so over here, you're, th you're proposing that Crimea, which already decided this, that's his point, acting like that hasn't happened yet. The, who's trying to retake Crimea? Crimea is part of Russia. Crimea has already voted and already went through a legal referendum and it was also observed and also what happened. Do you realize how, how ridiculous that is? So let's not hold any illusions here that Elon Musk is on anybody's side other than his own and the U.S. government's agenda as it, as it seems here. Now, on top of that, realize that he the conversation swirling now is that he just decided to go forward with buying Twitter. And yet again, and this I just I can't get past how dumb this is. Hasn't happened yet, guys. It just simply floated the idea that he's going to move forward with to buying. It hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen. He's beginning the process. But already people are like, Elon, change Twitter. I just I've seen three articles that say that. People that say, thanks, Elon. <laughs> like, God, the two-party paradigm is especially stupid today. But the problem here is that this guy is absolutely driving one side of this, at the very least his own interests. But the problem is that this has gotten to a point where, as Zuby makes clear here, that people are expected to have a very specific opinion on this and aren't even allowed to express something different. First, what he says, and I agree completely, other than the fact that it's weird. That's the point I make. He said, I think it's weird how everybody's expected to have a strong public opinion on the whole Russia-Ukraine situation. But this expectation doesn't exist for other foreign conflicts. That's an excellent point. Right? I mean, that is exactly my, that's why we can see how this is obviously propagandized. Why don't we have these ex outrageous, like, because there's a lot of fields of war. Let's, how about just, I mean... I could go off on a million different examples, but specifically Russia, Ukraine, you're supposed to have an opinion on and you're supposed to make sure everyone knows it. And it just shows you the propagandization, propagandization, I guess, in full color. He says, and if you voice the wrong opinion or are just quiet, people assume you're pro-Russia. Yeah, that's that's very telling, isn't it? Now, that, that that's the main point. And as I said, now, this isn't meant to be like an attack on him at all. I agree with him. I'm just making the point that it's not weird. It's, in fact, one of the most common things on the planet at the moment. 
it's what a propagandized topic looks like. Hopefully that's kind of opened some people's eyes for a second right there. Think about that. When you see that very strange, as you might feel, it's not very strange. It's very common, in fact. But if it feels strange to you, stand back for a second and reflect on that. What you're seeing is a propagandized topic. That's why these things are happening. But at the very least, it's become that obvious today. Oh, wait, they do this. Oh, sure, I already put the links up. It doesn't matter. All the links are up already, by the way. And then finally, before we jump over into the Iran discussion, before we get into the cholera conversation, is again with the truth, light, limited hangout kind of conversations. And and this, it's, it's first of all, as I said this morning on the AM Wake Up show, is that this isn't, there is truth here. And it is, I do think it's important. And some people, hopefully, because he talked about this, can realize Zelensky is a puppet. Maybe they didn't realize that yet. But the problem here is that it gets framed as a Biden, liberal, Democrat puppet. And there is the end of the conversation. That is the end of any actual change, only the two-party back and forth. And that's this purpose. Now, whether he knows that or not, that's this purpose he's serving. By the limited hangout, truth light, two-party divide that never, ever changes. Because all they want you to do is use that anger to vote in another puppet the next time. As he says here, and actually American Firebrand quotes him as saying, and you can watch the clip for yourself, despite what you may hear on NBC News, Zelensky is not the leader of a democratic nation. Well, it's not a democratic nation, and he's not the leader. I agree. Zelensky is a client of the Biden administration. And there you go. And ideologues with, within the Biden administration do not want negotiated peace. They want regime change against Russia. What he's insinuating there and basically says openly in the, in the peace is that Republicans are on your side, though. They are against, but wait a minute, that's not true. Republicans are aggressively invested and involved in the Ukrainian manipulation. Trump supports it. Now, even if they change their mind today, the reality of what's come so far is undeniable. So this is childishly limited. There, I mean, I personally think there's no way you cannot see that you're omitting a huge part of the story for the two-party paradigm. But that's what I think these people are. You know that. But those that want to believe that they're either not doing that or not aware they're doing that. I just don't see how you could think that personally with how much is obvious on the table. As I said, no, Tucker, he's a client of the U.S. government, all sides. This is evidenced by the fact that the agenda, as we know it, has been building since 2014. Well, who's been in power since then, right? It's been ebbing and left and right and left and right, but has been in effect since 1948. Operation Aerodynamic. I've written articles about it or rather done shows about it. It's the CIA documentation that proves on the record that they did this trying to use and build a fascist entity, their words, against the Soviet Union at the time. Now, later in 1953, it became the CIA. At the time, it was the OSS, I believe. And the operation continued. Then, when it became Russia, the operation continued. Now, it, it did go, it did ebb and flow throughout the years, but the point is this continued. It's the same, you can see the same tieback to the same thing they built all the way back then. It's the same group, the same names, the same thing. The Azov movement is the essentially fruition of that in the world today. And everyone seems to know that right now. So why can't we see that that goes far past the Biden administration? Now, Biden is 100% involved in this, or at the very least, he's being led into it. I think previously, if he was maybe more cognizant at that point in his life, he was involved in it. And all of these people are involved in it. But so too was the Trump administration. So too was the Obama administration. So too was the U.S. government going back as far as we can see. If you perpetuate the two-party illusion, you are part of the problem. I'm just tired of playing this game, guys. You know what I mean? Like, it's frustrating. Now, I don't, you don't have to believe that he's doing it intentionally but that is absolutely what this is i call it truth light 
and many people have before as well. Now, on to the Iranian discussion, which is all the same thing. It's all part of the same manipulative regime change illusion points coming from the groups out there, like USAID, like the regime change Trojan horses, as Corbett framed them. Iran, this is the article, by the way, that was put out on the 26th by Robert. Iran protests are no longer about women's rights. And since that time, we've reported on the fact that the leader of this movement is working for the U.S. government. Easy to prove that she's literally pictured next to Pompeo. That she, this, these people are tied to the CIA and other elements that have absolutely been a part of these things in the past. But on top of that, that the organic part of this died off very quickly. And all of a sudden, you've got this Kurd, predominantly Kurd, at, the, at least when he wrote this article, by the way, predominantly Kurdish element driving this, which is an obviously, in Syria specifically, a proxy force of the U.S. government. And I've used many times. But either way you spin this, Robert's talked about that in the past, of using these kind of elements to drive these things. But historically, they've used these kind of protests who are they usually start with something legitimate and use them to their benefit over and over and over. That was Operation Ajax. It's happened more than once, and they failed po- after the Iranian revolution. And here we are again. The point is, just read this so you understand that this has been happening, and we've been seeing it for a while now. But that's the whole point, is they want this to be an illusion about women's rights. And it's not really what this is about. As Syrian Girl points out, the, quote, Iranians have gone full feminine activism now. Like, think about how ridiculous this is to jump to this point from what's happening there. And this is perfectly in line with what they're doing here in this country. She says, so it's not about personal liberty, but full-blown neoliberal Western degeneracy. Got it. And you can see these women standing there basically naked, cheering. And and the point is, think about how dumb it is, first of all, that Twitter is going to allow her naked breasts to be on this because they agree with the agenda politically. But if some girl just did that because she wanted to, they would censor it. That is a choice. But this is the frustrating part about this is this is not this is not organic and it's not genuine. And that's my opinion. But it's also speaking to a lot of people that understand the situation that are present in Iran and, and so on. But. The other point of this is that we've already reported and proven that there's obvious elements that are driving this that are not organic. So whether or not those women are, this is an absolute manipulation from the outside. Now, Tim Anderson points out, roundup of alleged provocateurs in Iran, many of them had weapons. Here's what they found. The commander of the Corps arrested 106 ringleaders of these riots. Some of the arrested persons said in their confessions, now you could argue that they were coerced and not accurate. But that's for you to come to your conclusions about. I, I think this is what's happening. Their confession said that the hijab issue, which is the way they frame this, has nothing to do with this. That they had not even heard of the name um, uh, uh, Mesha Amini. They attacked public property and set fire to the mosque. Now, remember, the woman they claim was, were beat, who was beaten and died in, in, in custody, didn't have any bruises, wasn't beaten, died of a cardiac arrest. But they just went with the narrative anyway. She was tortured, beaten. No, all the evidence proves otherwise. But that's how this works. They shout the narrative. And by the time you get around to realizing it's not even true, they're on the third part of the narrative and it doesn't even matter anymore. That's how this works. And when you point it out, they're like, who even cares? Look at what they're doing right now. Well, of course it matters. They lied to begin with. That probably means they're lying now, right? Nope, doesn't matter. Well, last point on Iran is that this, this is the kind of manipulation we're going to point out that we already discussed. I think the Washington Post even wrote the article admitting that Facebook and Twitter were reaching out to the government and the Pentagon and going, guys, we can see your fake accounts and you're breaking the rules. And, you know, admitting they pretended to be Iranian students. That was the Washington Post writing that, admitting that they were pretending to be the very people like this. Not this example, but people like this. Whether that's the CIA or people being paid to do so. You have to admit today that's possible. It's always been possible. But now even the fact that they write these articles, they're claiming we know it's happening. 
So you can't keep dismissing these because you don't like what it looks like. You have to acknowledge that this is possible. Now, the point here is this guy reported. Inside sources confirm, apparently, that Kamini's son fled with a bunch of the advisors to Toronto. Guess what? Completely fake news. 100% fake news. Very quickly proven to be fake news. And that's why he later deleted the tweet. But you see, that's how that works. They get the momentum going and they lie and people buy it. And that, that tweet becomes a talking point, even though it's been proven to be wrong. And then finally, the White House is alarmed and appalled. Guess what? At the suppression of Ronnie in protest. <laughs> I mean, you really, this, you just can't write this any better. This is pathetic. Right? Do they care about can the Canadian government attacking their protesters and robbing them? And no, who cares? It's freedom, though. It's freedom. But Iranian protests being suppressed as it's being fed by outside forces and it's literally attacking and breaking windows and actually rioting. No, that's okay, though, because they're for freedom. I mean, it's just a willful ignorance and straight up stupid sometimes, guys. It's just frustrating because these are the very people that are actively attacking your right to protest, are actively attacking your right to free speech. And yet they point over here and go, look at what they're doing. It's like this guy in the beginning saying, think about someone just taking your land and claiming it as theirs. Yeah, it's called the U.S. government. It's everywhere around the world, but we can't talk about that. It's just this is the insulting reality. And then I get painted as anti-American somehow by pointing out that the government is no longer representing the American people, which, by the way, is quintessentially American to recognize that your government doesn't care about you. That's the foundational concept of what we founded this country on, fighting away from a tyrannical force. And it's written in two different ways in the Declaration of Independence, one in the Constitution, both saying that we have the right to remove them from power if they no longer represent us. But who cares? Because apparently it's anti-American to point out the Constitution says that. But going forward to the most important part of the story today, I think this is alarming to me because how clearly this ties back to the people that I believe are weaponizing health in this regard, but creating a situation of inequity. Hey, look at that. The very thing they pretend they're fighting for and then using that situation to poison these people. That's my opinion. I definitely think there's evidence to this happening in Yemen and everywhere else, but whether that's what's happening here, I'll let you decide for yourself. But what I have found out in my own research that I've been conducting today is that this group, that we're or at least one of the most prominent groups that is supplying supposedly sanitary water to Syria is directly connected to some of the most obvious people that you're going to be so you won't be surprised to hear. I'll show you next. Now, this is the Telegraph. Corporate media, right? So just to be clear, this is, you, this is corporate media reporting on something that I'm surprised they're saying. An escalating cholera outbreak in Syria, which has infected at least 6,000 and killed at least 36, has been linked to a dirty water scam preying on vulnerable families displaced by the 11-year occupation. Not a war. It's not a civil war. Well, it's a war. It's not a civil war, but that's my point. But so this is their story from the Telegraph. Here's what it says. Dirty water scam linked to serious deadly cholera outbreak. It's very interesting how we see these cholera outbreaks just so happen to happen in locations that are occupied and manipulated by outside forces, predominantly the West and the U.S. government. The outbreak has infected an estimated 6,000 people, killed 36, figures expected to keep rising. An escalating cholera outbreak in Syria has been caused by private companies selling untreated water to desperate communities, according to International Rescue Committee. The outbreak has been linked to raw sewage in the Euphrates River, which runs 1,740 miles across Turkey, Syria, and Iraq, and is said to have once flowed through the biblical Garden of Eden across the three countries. It supports over 60 million people. Now, of course, I would argue they want you to think it's just because they're dirty and they don't have to clean, right? They always want you, they always want to patronizingly point 
argue these people just don't know how to take care of themselves, despite the fact that they've been existing just fine long before you guys pushed into their territory. It's about difference in culture, but they frame as like, it's like arguing those, those people living in their, uh, what was the group? I forget. They're one of the only groups left in the world that still live in their tents or their, their, you know, their teep. I, I forget what the, not even teepees. That'd be native American, whatever. They live in their little huts that they make and they bow and arrows and they live completely disconnected from the world arguing that we need to invade them and give them vaccines. It's like, how stupid can we get? These people don't want your help. That's why they shoot at the helicopters that come by, but they act like that's their, you know, obligation to help people when you're really doing the exact opposite. But I argue they want you to frame it that way in your mind, I would argue, but it says, well, some people drink water directly from the river. Again, that's, I, I don't think that that's a desperate act. Even today, no matter what you're talking about, people are well aware today that you can't just, that they need to boil the water. It's a, a dirty water scam where unregulated water trucks claim to sell clean water, a conscious choice, guys, is the primary cause of the outbreak, according to this group. They got caught, right? They got caught taking water from the river, not cleaning it, but yet then selling it to people. Selling it to people who are desperate, claiming it's been sanitized. That is not just criminal, guys. That's, that's a war crime, in my opinion, especially when you realize this group at least one of the primary groups involved are tied to people like USAID. You know, the regime changed Trojan horse that says, quote, these trucks are going to the Euphrates river and they're collecting water, but they're not treating it. And then they're selling it to communities, selling it to people that are literally dying of thirst because of the occupation, because of the war, because of the ongoing occupation of people like the U S government that refuse to let Syria get back to normal. That's a choice. And they've even admitted that while they steal the oil and burn the wheat and apparently continue to dirty their water. At least that's my opinion coming from who is involved. It says that this is selling it to communities who just don't have the water they need to survive. The fact that they're even selling it to people, I mean, think about how that aligns with the way they're painting everything else in the world. Like, is that, I mean, these are people that you created this situation for and then you're, you're benefiting, you're, pro- you're profiting off of their potential death. That should be the story, first of all. But it goes on to say the devastation wrought by the 11 year Syrian conflict or illegal occupation and invasion has left the country particularly vulnerable to cholera. Yeah, because their fault. Whose fault is the war, the conflict, the occupation as critical infrastructure has been destroyed? Yeah. Who's doing that? Nearly two thirds of water treatment plants, just like with Yemen, where they target those things and then suddenly there's a cholera outbreak. I wonder why half of pumping stations and one third of water towers have been damaged by more than a decade of war according to the UN. Yes, who is the one conducting these attacks? Israel? The United States? Right. It's not Russia bombing Syrian infrastructure. Quote, there's a huge gap of access to Russian water for Syrians. They have 40% less drinking water than they had a decade ago. That's pushing a lot of families to buy water from these private companies. And that's where this outbreak has come from. Okay, so the reality is that these companies are choosing to lie and cheat and poisoning these people Knowing so, like that's a conscious choice. The country is also ill-equipped to respond. It says the World Health Organization has reported that 55% of the healthcare facilities in Syria are not functioning because of the war, which has killed some 350,000 people, 350,000 people just from the lack of medical facilities since it spiraled out of an uprising against the press. Right, this is how they frame this. This all happened since it spiraled out of an uprising against Assad. Yeah, that's why. You know how many times that's been literally proven by their own documentation to not be the truth? 
just like we find with Ukraine and the Maidan Square or anywhere else that we can prove that they were responsible for what happened and they blame the person they want to blame. Right. Yeah, here we are still all this time later going, oh, because of a protest against Assad, fake news. Meanwhile, an estimated 7 million Syrians have been internally displaced. Why are we talking about that? All we can seem to talk about is Ukrainian refugees. What about all the Syrians? Well, who cares about them? Because bad guy Assad. And are dependent on humanitarian aid, with many living in makeshift camps without sufficient sanitation or sewage. This isn't a yesterday problem. This has been going on, as they point out, since 2011. Do we have Syrian flags in our bios? Are we constantly talking about refugees? We should be, if that's the, if the way that they're framing everything else. But the point is, they don't care about people. They care about using the ones they can to achieve their ends. Now, now that we can see clearly that according to Telegraph's reporting, that this is a private company problem that is choosing to take water they know is not clean, pretending they cleaned it, and making a massive profit by selling it to people that are dying of thirst because of the U.S. agenda and the Western agenda. And it's not just the U.S., but predominantly, I think, led by the U.S. government. Well, this is where I think this is the most important. This is one of the most important groups. But the point is, I'm going to do more research on this as I get more time and dive into this more fully. Here is goal. Providing safe drinking water to communities in Syria. It's right there. Okay, well, there's no confusing what they just said. This is the entire problem in Syria, right? That's what they're doing. March 14th, 2021. You can read through this and, re and realize this is one of the groups we're talking about, right? Well, it's not too hard to realize who they're connected to. These are their global partners. And it says the longstanding relationships, including the governments of Ireland, the UK, the USA, as well as the European Union, the United Nations. So you got the UN in there. You know, sustainable development goals, the whole push there, and, and clearly having their agenda towards Syria. Well, here's the most important part. USAID. Right there. Part of it. So the USAID is at the very least supporting this group that is involved with the actions that are right now poisoning Syrians. But it gets even worse than that. It's not European Commission, Irish Aid, as well as UK Aid. Well, guess who else? MasterCard Foundation, the UN, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now, I'm not arguing that I, these are all completely and immersed in the you know, World Food Program, the UN. I'm not arguing that these people are directly doing this, but what we have to realize is these people are supporting all these groups around the world that seemingly are tied back to all the problems. Now, what we can realize here is that this is perfectly also, whether by design or not, leading and adding to the same problems that are happening everywhere else. Water crises, food crises. What do you know? So the reality here is that beyond a doubt, USAID is connected to one of the groups involved with what we just found out was a massive dirty water scam that led to a cholera, out, cholera outbreak that then gets used to call them what they want them to be seen as, which then gets used to profit even further, which then gets used to justify more cover of aid and action in the country, which ultimately leads to more supplanting of their needs. It's everywhere. Constant. And as James Melville points out, over 400,000 people have died as a result of ongoing war in Yemen. Where are all those flags? Let's not forget that one of the worst cholera outbreaks in history have been in this country because they're bombing water infrastructure, because they're doing exactly this. I mean, this is we're not only seeing them target and make this happen. We're then seeing them take advantage of those that need Something. And these are, we're not talking about government individuals here. We're talking about civilians, children, women on the ground, people suffering from illnesses, people that need hospital, and they're poisoning them. How do you possibly see this as anything other than what these people truly are and what they're doing everywhere else around the world and realize the overlap that it's not an accident, in my opinion, as well as Gaza? Let's not forget that, going back to the Israeli connection to what we're talking about across all these places, especially Yemen. 
This is from tw- this is from 2018. 97%, it's worse today, I believe, of Gaza drinking water contaminated by sewage, which, by the way, is exactly what ultimately ends up causing cholera, for the most part. Cholera. Gazans are forced to buy water at six times the standard rate from private enterprises. Weird how exactly it's the same story, right? Must just be a coincidence. I thought I no, I don't. That's I think that was it. Ultimately, the bottom line is that this is an overlapping story that continues to be, you know, just just so happened to ex- happen the exact same way in all of the occupied locations that they're abusing. Think about that. Certainly, could just be a grand coincidence, or we could be watching their targeted terrorism using things like necessities, like water and food, to hurt people, as well as biological acts, like or rather, you know, chemical, or rather, I guess we biological using things like cholera as a weapon. And then think about how that overlaps with the COVID-19 discussion. Pretty interesting. And before we go into the discussion of COVID-19 and start with the AstraZeneca conversation, which is very important because of how obvious this showing you that they've, that what people have at least been discussing before is now being admitted to because it's, we're too far down the line, just like I was just talking about. Before we get into that, I want to make a point about something I think is interesting. I'm noticing some very weird stuff happening on Twitter, specifically. One of the things was that I'm noticing that there are all these random accounts, many of which are like very weird and blatant pornography accounts. Which, by the way, again, how does it make sense that it's allowed on Twitter? But I'm not not saying it shouldn't be. What I'm saying is they'd censor people for other things but then allow stuff like that. But my point is that I'm noticing all of a sudden that my account claims I just follow these accounts. Like I'm seeing pop up in my timeline. And like that's not what how how was that there? And I'm thinking, okay, it just must be a coincidence, but it's happened more than once. Then I saw something like this. Based on your retweets, look at what this guy says. Yes, we need to catch COVID to build up our immunity as much as we need to drink poison so we can build up a tolerance. Bring back masks. COVID is airborne. Really? Based on my retweets, there's something wrong here. And I think this is not whether it's because they broke themselves to censor people, which is part of it. These, these people are ridiculous. YouTube, Twitter. Like their 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 web their platforms are exponentially worse than they ever were before because they're countering their own logical algorithms to censor people that are telling the truth or are using peer reviewed science. It's they've broken themselves, which we should. That's why we should find other platforms that are far better today. But how is that based on my retweets? I think what's happening to possibly is a way to make it look like. Like, for instance, if you're scrolling through our content and all of a sudden you see some transvestite pornography site that looks like we shared or followed, what does that look like to you? Right? That's strange. I would think that was strange. And you're not going to think that must have been followed. And you know what I mean? Like, there's very strange stuff happening there. And I think it's happening all over the place. Just something to think about as we get into the world of deep fakes and manipulation of people like us. I thought that was kind of interesting. But this part of it is one of the most infuriating here. That ultimately, it's exactly what Whitney and I both were censored for on Patreon specifically. And I just think it's it, it drives it boils your blood, no pun intended, to see this come out now. This is the Daily Mail. AstraZeneca uncovers what's triggering blood clots. Oh, okay. The story that most people haven't even really digested is actually happening. Now they're like, here's how was here's why. We've proven why the thing you haven't bought is happening after its jab. Vaccine acts like a magnet and attracts platelets, which body mistakes for a threat and attacks. Well, what do you know? Look at that. You mean something that's similar to antibody-dependent enhancement? No, fake news. A study has found possible link to rare jab blood clots 
which has been connected to 37 deaths. Scientists found the virus used in the jab attracts a protein in the blood called platelet factor four, like a magnet. In a case of mistaken identity, the body's immune system then attacks this cluster, triggering the blood clots. Oh, wow. Right? So when those people in the beginning were going, this might be a thing based on the science we can see, and we were all censored for it. Shouldn't you be, what you need to see here, not to play the game and all this, is that there's no effort to realize that there was a mistake made. If it was even a mistake, I don't think it was. It was a controlled narrative. So what we're now seeing is the executed release of some of these talking points. And you see these things filter through on the larger shows like the Tucker Carlson show. And we need to ask why they're being allowed to drift out. Because I think it's because my, uh, my first gut instinct would be to, to, they, they want you to go, oh, okay, it was AstraZeneca. That was the problem. Meanwhile, take the new booster shot. That's not a booster. and It's not, you know, the, the, the game they play here. And as well as the fact, as they all get into the excess death conversation, I truly think that they're acting like it's not happening so they can couch it on something else. Come back around and be like, oh, it looks like it was this the whole time. You mean, what do you mean the whole time? The thing you weren't acknowledging was there, but now you're saying the whole time it was because of this? Watch that happen. Mark my words. They're blaming something, whether it's another old shot or Trump's version of the shot or AstraZeneca the whole time or whatever it's going to be, right? But in here it says, the vaccine can set off a chain reaction, which leads to the body confusing its own blood platelets for fragments of the virus. Well, you know what else creates things that, that are like the bad thing that your body then sees and supposed to respond to in a good way is all the mRNA injections, right? The only, the only difference there is that they make a lot of them, right? They don't just see this is the big difference between the adenovirus ones, which I'm going to make a point about in a second that remember the adenovirus, specifically this one was the one that Fauci earlier on was talking about the HIV overlap, but we'll forget about all of that, which now we see an HIV problem, but don't look there. The interesting point is that the adenovirus injections, specifically AstraZeneca in the US context or, or UK or the uh, Johnson & Johnson, was that they are, it's a classical version of this that produces that only has like a spike protein in there, which then is not, it's not recreated. You react to it. Your body's supposed to create antibodies to it and you're done. The difference with the MRNA injections is that it can trains your body to make them and it continues to make them and it continues to circulate your bloodstream as we just talked about. There's, as far as I can tell, there's like seven peer-reviewed studies that have all found very clearly that yes, it not only goes in your blood, but it continues to circulate your blood. So the point is that that's why it continues to be a problem. So there's a big difference between the two. And if you have to argue that any of the parts are problematic, it's clearly the mRNA and the spike protein. And the problem is that, or the, the point is that this one only makes, only has the one. So it's obvious which one will be more dangerous if any of these things are dangerous. So it's very obvious they focus only on these ones. Maybe they were put out here just to be this catch-all. Certainly possible. But it says the British made vaccine is thought to have saved about a million lives. Don't you love that? That's how they play this game. Well, we think it saved a bunch of lives. So therefore, these deaths aren't, aren't important is kind of the argument. It was saved more than it killed. Well, what do you mean you thought? You don't get to go, we, it could have. It could have saved a lot. Therefore, these deaths don't matter. That's not how that works. You, if, if it did save people, then you could maybe make that argument, but you should be able to prove that, right? That's my point this whole time. How in the world do you even quantify that? How do you prove that this thing you gave them saved them from what happened? They just love to argue that number. It says, but concerns about clots saw its restriction in under 40s in the UK. That's all that happened. So not only now that we know it's causing blood clots, we know that this is a very concerning problem. And all they did was restrict it for certain categories. 
<laughs> my God, that's about as dumb as it gets. But it says they found that the shell, and just to be clear, going back through history, you have things like the swine flu vaccine that was removed from the market for 50 arguable deaths that weren't even proven. Yet now you can prove that this is very clearly capable of causing like life-threatening blood clots and weird body problems. And then you've got the hundreds of thousands of reports, thousands of death reports way past swine flu, and all they do is restrict certain categories. How do you even rationalize that? They found that the shell of the vector vaccine, this is my point about the HIV overlap, the weakened cold virus, which is also a coronavirus, used to teach cells how to neutralize COVID, sometimes act like a magnet and attract platelets, a protein found in the blood. So there's a difference of the overlap for the mRNA. The, 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 met, the vector here that they're pointing at when they claim this is why it's happening is not in the mRNA injection, so we understand it. So I argue this is a way to couch all of this on these as the problem despite there being far more reports of exactly this problem in the mRNA Bayer's conversation. But I find it interesting that the exact point that we've made from old research, and even in the beginning of all this, when they started talking about the weird, the issue that some of these could cause you to be more susceptible to HIV, the very point was the adenovirus, specifically these injections. So, and now we see this explosion of, of autoimmune problem. Come on. It's, I think it's very clear what's happening here. That's an overlap of all of these things. But they stress this is extremely rare, they say, with only 426 cases in the UK out of about 50 million doses, they claim. But here's the point, equivalent to less than one in 100,000. That's a lot, though. One of every 100,000, that's a lot. The side effect has been linked to 73 deaths in the UK. It says researchers are now doing further work to learn about the process that causes these clots and if the vaccines can be tweaked to reduce the risk. Oh, so we're not going to scrap it. We're just going to make it better. Well, how about the fact that this is exactly what people were concerned about? And remember what they did? They shouted you down, even with AstraZeneca, and they said, safe and effective. It's safe and effective, and you're crazy if you say anything else. So what, what now? Are they going to admit they were wrong? Are they going to go to jail for, for putting people's lives at risk? No, of course not. They're going to tweak it, put it back out, and act like they were right all along. The vaccine works by using the chimpanzee cold virus. That was the point about the overlap of HIV to deliver a portion of the COVID virus's genetic code, which the body then learns to recognize and prepare itself for a real infection of the virus. Now, the main point is that this is what they were saying. By the way, this is right now on the Australian website. This is the Australian government. Here's what it says. Is it true? Does AstraZeneca cause blood clots? There is a very low chance, they say, of this side effect which may occur in around four to six in every million people. Wait a minute. They just said one in 100,000. Okay, so the Australian government is openly and willfully spreading dangerous misinformation. But it doesn't matter, though, because they don't care if they spread dangerous medical misinformation, as long as it aims in the direction of making it look better than it is. Pro-vaccine. Always. Across the board. But right there is another example of the government lying to you or accidentally misleading you. And how much you want to bet that stays that way forever, if not a very long time. So first of all, way, 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 way more dangerous than they want you to think it is. And they're screaming safe and effective, safe and effective right on this damn website. Here's another one. Here's the conversation. Here's the media selling you on the lie. This is 2021. AstraZeneca is safe and effective, but facing supply issues. Remember I told you that was a lie. The supply issue was a way to try to play this game. Safe and effective, they claim. Here's a fact check from USA Today. No definitive link between AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine and blood clots. Well, how in the world then did we know that back then? 
because there was a definitive link. There was peer-reviewed science. There was evidence very clearly, just like there is now for Pfizer, Moderna, and everything else. They just don't want to say it. That's the point. Here we are again, showing you the thing that we knew a year and a half ago. Not because we guessed, but because the evidence showed you that and we were censored for it. But fact check, oh, you're all lying. And now you're not lying, though. And they won't come back and correct that. Here's one of the worst. This is a fact check, fullfact.org. Unevidenced claims, really, unevidenced claims about this AstraZeneca problem that we now know for sure is happening. And they've even said, we can prove how. Here's a nice little infographic how it's causing blood clots. Are these sites being taken down? The AstraZeneca vaccine in the UK causes blood clots was the claim. Guess what? This vaccine is not associated with an increased overall risk of blood clotting disorders. Well, the point was, in March of 2021, you could prove that it was, as we did. And as now they're being forced to admit, but these sites will still claim you're a liar if you say that. I will bet my life if you go on Twitter right now and claim this causes blood clots, you'll be censored for it. And this, my friends, is why I believe they're throwing this under the bus as desperately as possible. Because right now the mRNA issue is aggressively under the spotlight. And they do not want that to come out. And there's a lot of important people now. I'm so glad to see it. I forget his name all of a sudden. I'll show him in a second. One of these big, one of the most leading cardiologists in the, in the country that originally supported this on TV has been coming out and telling you this is killing people. And they're trying to run from this. Think about all those people that have been so smugly shouting you down on Twitter that are now being confronted with very real high-level experts on not just the ones that have already been speaking out, but ones that they once thought were on their side that are going, I now see the problem. They're scared of this. Here is uh, Welt.de from, from Germany, gigantic mainstream outlet, saying all data must be on the table. This is in regard to the mRNA injections. It says, in scientific circles, doubts arise as to whether the information provided by the manufacturers of the mRNA vaccines is correct. Oh, no, you're not allowed to question the narrative because that creates vaccine hesitancy, doesn't it? Apparently now they're allowed to. You see my point? So when the people in the beginning were simply going, did they lie about that data that we can't see? Fake news! Censored! Attacked! Put them in prison! They shouldn't be able to be treated in hospital! Right? Well, now we're allowed to ask the question because it's always been the case. Hopefully, one more person can see that for the next illusion they spin in 30 seconds because this always, always, always happens. Biotech and Pfizer and Moderna have so far refused to independently verify the data. Now, why would that be? Is that transparent? Is that what honest institutions do? or groups, or companies? No. A STITCO member is now also criticizing. It says virologist, epidemiologist, pharmacologist, they may not always been so friendly to each other during the pandemic, but they are now coming together on one point. It is to demand an independent review of the studies that led to the approval of these injections. That's huge. You won't see this on Fox and CNN. Either side of the two-party illusion. Now, why would that be? Now, here's another point. This is from June 2022, where they're already showing that they're refusing this. FDA was, in fact, sued because they were hiding records from their vaccine approval. I just don't know how you can see this any other way. That is what criminals do. That's what dishonest people do. Now, here, and this is the Dr. Asim, who I was referring to. Please follow his account because it's an important turn of events that he is now speaking out about this. Now, here's a clip from the High Wire where he uh, basically discusses this this point. But as he reads, two of the most important papers peer-reviewed that you will read on these injections have come out because he's talking about this. 
This is incredibly important. And as Del Bigtree says, we are perhaps dealing with the greatest miscarriage of medical science we will witness in our lifetime. That's a big statement, but I definitely agree with that. I think we're watching that happen right in front of us. about i would say this week's whistleblower it's fairly new to scene obviously a prominent heart doctor in the uk we saw him speaking out on gbn news back in october well now he's written maybe two of the most important papers to be written about the covid19 vaccine especially the mrna vaccines it's getting a lot of press it's getting a lot of attention in many ways you could say he's going viral he's on the news he's doing um you know conferences and talking about this so this is just a taste of really the new star on the block when it comes to transparency and a passion for the scientific method. I'm talking about Dr. Ashim Malhotra. Take a look at this. I was one of the first people to have the COVID-19 vaccine. I helped out in a vaccine center. I was on Good Morning Britain helping tackle vaccine hesitancy. I did not conceive of the possibility that a vaccine could cause any real harm at all. It wasn't even part of it wasn't even anywhere in my brain. Over a few months, conversations with various people started to make me think a little bit differently. I'm somebody from a very prestigious British institution, cardiology department, researcher, a whistleblower, if you like, contacted me to say that the researchers in this department had found inflammation from imaging studies around the coronary arteries. And um, they had a meeting, and these researchers at the moment have decided they're not going to publish their findings because they are concerned about losing research money from the drug industry. Knowing this information, which is very concerning, Stephen Gundry's paper in circulation, and also anecdotal evidence. I mean, I have a lot of interaction with the cardiology community across the UK, and anecdotally, I've been getting told by colleagues that they are seeing younger and younger people coming in with heart attacks. We have 14,000 extra unexplained out-of-hospital cardiac arrests in this yep. country alone. Israel no data. No one wants to talk about Israel data, 16 to 39 year olds, they did a very rigorous analysis. 25% increase in heart attacks and out of hospital cardiac arrests in 16 to 39 year olds, specifically associated with, associated with the vaccine, not associated with COVID. I was under the impression the vaccine would prevent transmission. We obviously now know that's completely false. That isn't true. We don't even know if it was true at the beginning. Wow. I mean, how in the world do you ignore something like that? Especially since you can realize, one, that he has been on one side and come to realize the information, but what he's throwing out is undeniable, provable information. And speaking to other doctors and what they're seeing or the fact that he himself admits he didn't even fathom the possibility that it could cause these problems. That's what people are dealing with. They've been so socially engineered, so brainwashed to the idea that certain things that are very real are just not possible that they just push back on them because they find themselves in communities where they feel like that's what they're supposed to do. Thank God there are people that can eventually see through it. I think it's very important. And now we're also seeing other examples come out. This is from The Ethical Skeptic. Uh, and this is actually first saw in a video by Tim Truth that I'll, I'll include for you guys to watch where he says this and this, you could look through this for yourself. It's a whole thread. This is and this is happening constantly. We already discussed this in regard to them shifting the way that they'd mark these down in regard to the comorbidities, where instead of it being a secondary thing, if COVID was involved, they suddenly automatically make it the number one. That's not how this is supposed to go. Well, here's another example of that. As he says, I found it. They, they, the set dynamics are complex, but the principle is straightforward. When a death certificate lists cancer as the underlying cause of death, 
the COVID as the main cause of death, the underlying cause of death, or basically the, they're swapping. When, when COVID-19 is not the primary, they swap it to the point where it is. I mean, it's just straight up manipulation. There's no way you can frame this as anything other than dishonest. You can read through it for yourself. And then we see things like this. We're actually, true, honestly, starting with this, which is really overwhelmingly, it just it makes my skin crawl. As Milk Bar TV points out, remember when they lured kids to get vaccinated with ice cream? I mean, these things are still happening right now. About, I would. This one, actually. I think it's this one. Local shop is offering a sweet treat to kids who get a COVID vaccine. As a way to reward kids under 12 who have chipped in and done their part to protect the community by getting vaccinated. Gross. Done their part? Like, these things are just straight up disconnected from any talking, like, the data that's out there, even from their side. Right? Less than the flu. They're one one thousandth of the risk of even what they claim they were in the beginning, which even then was less than the flu, as even Oxford Calculator admits. And what about just the risks? Of blood clots, heart attacks, strokes, Bell's palsy, right? This kid does not need this even remotely. And then realize that if it doesn't stop transmission or catching and spreading it, how is he helping anybody else? How is that doing his part for the community? These are just dead talking points that are disconnected from literally everything that's happening right now. And that kid's the brunt of the, that, that kid is taking the brunt of the negative side effects. כן, ממש, החיסון יוצא לדרך, וזו נועה שהיא קצת חוששת. נועה, ממש תודעת, גיבורה גדולה, ועכשיו הולכים לאכול גלידה, נכון? Tel Aviv, they've opened vaccination centers for teenagers. They're getting free ice cream, but is it working? And uh, should it even be happening? This clinic was aimed at those 12 to 15 year olds, and they drew them in by making this clinic as fun as possible. God, that's so creepy. And then realize that many of these kids are getting vaccinated without any consent. When, they, when, they, when it's all like at a fair or something, they just walk in. We have already proven to you countless times that they do this without even blinking because they've been so brainwashed the idea that it's the right thing to do that they don't care anymore. I mean, we've even seen the past bills about not, it doesn't matter if they're 12 or up, they can make their own choice, except they can't join the military, smoke a cigarette or drink alcohol or go into the next van. You can get a gender change, gender sex change, right? That, it's like just mind blowing that these things make sense to people when you won't let them do anything else because you claim they're not mentally, they don't have the mental capacity to do it, but then jump over to the next van. You can do this thing. It's, just, it's, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. That's why I think people can see through it because you can't connect those two things and act like they can irrevocably change their gender for the rest of their life or take an injection that could have dangerous life-threatening side effects, but then not smoke a cigarette because that they don't understand it. <laughs> it's just stupid. It's cool that they like give stuff out to you if you take the shot. I mean, like uh, there's free ice cream out there and I'm definitely going to get ice cream after this 15 minutes is over. See, that's the point. This kid has no understanding what he's doing. He's going, cool, ice cream. And that's all they wanted. Dude, let's go. So the ice cream is definitely the most popular part of this clinic. Free ice cream and a Disney movie for children who get their jabs at the Philippine Heart Center. But there were a few children who were afraid. The doctors tried to pacify them as they were brought to the Tahan Corner, where they were successful in convincing the children to get vaccinated. Both of the children were enticed to get vaccinated as they were given free ice cream. I've lowered the age of eligibility to 12 plus uh, for those who wish to get vaccinated. And there's even some ice cream. So if you're 12 year olds and up, come on down. There's also free ice cream when you get your vaccine. Here comes Mr. Softy, the soft ice cream man. He no longer offers his soft ice cream. Instead, now Mr. Softy will bring us a Pfizer COVID vaccine. Jab us, Mr. Softy. 
I've got the market cornered on refrigerated trucks. This pandemic is tragic, but I'm out here making bucks. Chocolate, chocolate chip. God, it just makes my skin crawl. I mean, it, it is the only reason that makes sense to anybody is because they've been brainwashed into thinking that this is the best possible thing for them. But so what if somebody else over there thinks of the best possible thing to them to allow them to have an abortion or not, depending on which political side you stand on? Right. It's, it's amazing. We can't overlap this with any other topic. I mean, think about how if you cannot pretend that it's anybody else's choice to let these children do what other people think is right for them. I mean, it blows my mind. But this is where we get when we have political brain, a propagandized topic. And then. Totally unconnected investigation into spikes in newborn baby deaths in Scotland. I mean, it's just it's just sickening to me. Baffling. We have no idea, except here's all their vaccines right next to it. There's Justin Hart pointing out it's been shown in the UK, in Israel, and a host of other countries. Now the US report, funded by Moderna, of course, shows that a hunt after 150 days. The efficacy of the vaccine turns negative. This is not debatable anymore. This is negative efficacy. And realize that's not the vaccine failing. That is your immune system collapsing. And the, and, and the more you do it, the worse it gets. It's undeniable. You are killing yourself by continuing to put this stuff in your body. And that's why they no longer talk about the pandemic of the unvaccinated. They've shifted this into only people that haven't gotten their new shot, right? They paint it between people that have only one shot versus those that have three. And look at how much better they are. What about those that never got anything? Why don't you talk about them anymore? You know why? Because they're doing the best out of anybody right now. That's the control group they don't want you paying attention to. Why wouldn't they keep pointing at that? Because they're not collapsing in the streets. Because they're not, that's the reality. Their own data, as they know, and that's why they're quiet, shows that everybody in the majority in the hospital, in the East ICU, going through every cases predominantly, people that are injected. And that's not just because you claim it's the majority. There are places all over that aren't. It's very clear. Again, that's why they're not pointing at it anymore. You know, if it was obvious that it was only the vac- unvaccinated having a problem, they would never stop screaming about that. Here's another example of why this is obvious. All-cause mortality in England. For the first half, not just not all of UK, but just England, but it is the same, in my opinion, all across the UK, Scotland included, and everywhere else. The all-cause mortality in England for the first half of the year shows, across the board, higher mortality rates in those injected versus those who weren't. There's just no way you misunderstand that. Make what conclusions you will, but this is being with this being simply coincidence is quite a difficult sell, which is what they essentially want you to think, or just don't address it right now, which I think there's a reason for that. That's this is like every leadership of every country right now willfully pretending this isn't happening while they're acting like still hyping up the, the deaths they see from COVID while they have dramatically more of some unexplainable thing happening right alongside of it. It's embarrassing. The reason, I think, is because they're going to use this. It's going to be couched on something. That's my opinion, but we'll wait and see. Now, here, I just want people to remember, these are two videos from the uh, ZN2 account showing you what they were just moments ago saying about people that refused to get the injection. This is the, the kind of mania we saw that's still happening to some degree. Who haven't had jabs but could have jabs need to have a badge saying unjabbed. Really? Yeah. We just have to make people understand that, you know, no jab, no life. And, and that's how it is. I hear what you what you say about somebody exercising their freedom not to have a vaccine and they're perfectly healthy. 
I don't want them sitting next to me in the theatre. I don't want them standing next to me at the theatre bar. I don't want them next to me or anywhere near me or even in the same carriage on the train. So, uh, yeah, they can exercise their freedom by staying at home. If you decide that you don't want a vaccine or a booster, then you can decide not to go to hospital however ill you get. And that way, that is your right. So you would leave the unjabbed at home to die if they had a heart attack, if they suffered from a stroke. That's their choice. That's a disgusting human being, period. Like, I'm I'm not even going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're being manipulated or scared. That's showing their true colors. If you are willing to disregard someone's life, you can't pretend like you care about life or you can't, you know, you only care about certain people's lives that make the right choices. You're a bad person, period. I mean, it just makes me sick that this is that's the kind of people being painted as virtuous and doing the right thing. I mean, they've literally inverted the reality, and that's where we are. Now, this is a a frustrating example of the pretend like the acting like the normalization of this. This is J.J. Watt. He posted this. I was just told somebody leaked some personal information about me. It's on the second. And it's going to be reported on today. I went into AFib on Wednesday, had my heart shocked back into rhythm on Thursday. And I'm playing today. Right. No big deal. Just another normal reality, right? This is the heart problems are impossible to miss. The collapsing athletes, everything, guys, this is undeniable. And I know everyone sees it. They just want to pretend like you don't. Now, I'm not going to go over this today just because of the interest of time, but I'm going to include this that I hope you guys will check out. This is a this is Avon and Somerset vaccine center was closed. And you can look this stuff up. This is a crime reference number, 522-223-6390. This guy shows up as as he calls himself a squatty, and they've got lawyers and policemen there. They show up at this vaccine center, and they produce the information that he has there. You can read into this. And apparently, the police were forced to shut down this vaccine center. Now, you can dig into this story for yourself. My point is simply, as he says, irrefutable evidence was given to the police in the area of harms and dangers of these injections. When we arrived this morning... There were over 300 people there booked in a majority were children. But when they were done, they shut the place down. You can watch them talk for yourselves. Now, I think that there is some shifting here at local areas where you can reach people to understand how clear this evidence is. And they just don't know it's there. Like the like a scene we just talked about. Not everybody is all completely taken by this. They just don't understand. They don't what they don't know. And I think this is important. Now, here's what they're pushing anyway. And this is why I think things like that are so important. Again, here we are. This is October 3rd. This is the USA Today. Which COVID bivalent booster should I get? What does that even mean? Is there more than one bivalent shot? Not booster. No. There's only one new injection. But it's weird. Which, there, this is an effort, in my opinion, to clumsily conflate that they're all the same thing. Which one should I get? There's only one bivalent. You see my point? This is how they're so sick. They're sycophants. They are pathetically trying to sell you on what they're told they're supposed to sell, even when they know that it's dishonest. But it's okay to be dishonest when you're doing the right thing. That's probably what they tell themselves. What you need to know. But here's what they get into. They don't make the effort to conflate that there's more than one bivalent in the the, the article, but they clearly do so in the title because that's what most people read. In the original injections, mRNA instructs the body cells to produce spike proteins similar to those on the surface. And remember, in the mRNA ones, they continue to produce them, and it continues to circulate your blood, and that's what's hurting people. The immune system, you know, in, along with the mRNA itself and the nanoparticles and everything else involved in it, lipid nanoparticles, it says the immune system recognizes those vaccine-created spike proteins as invaders and creates antibodies to block future attacks. Okay, but before you read that last part of it, the immune system recognizes those vaccine spikes as 
invaders. Well, okay. Isn't that kind of the same overlap we were just talking about in the context of this? That your body recognizes them as a threat, mistakes them for a threat, attacks them? Yes. And in some degree, that is what's happening also here. That's the point. Is that this is creating a situation where your body attacks itself. They, they just want to couch that on AstraZeneca, but it's happening all across the board. And only the mRNA ones produce multiple spike proteins continually. But it says the bivalent booster. Oh, wait, no, that was it right there. Uh, right. Next part. When should I get a bivalent COVID shot? Not a booster. Like, again, doesn't it, isn't it insulting to anybody else that they even the White House can get re- corrected to where they now only say a new injection or a new vaccine, but the media continues to call it a booster? I mean, if they went so far as to change what they were saying, you know that's a reason for, but not me, it doesn't matter. Media, they don't care. They just continue the narrative. Do they know? Do they care? It doesn't matter. I just think it's so transparent. But when you when, when should you get it? Now, they say. Now. Well, apparently, not even everybody can. But here's how they respond. White House COVID coordinator, Asha, uh, Dr. Ja, said everybody should get their booster by October 31st. How does that make sense? It's not even approved or emergency authorized for everybody. But see, the point is they want everybody going, and I'm willing to bet they'll give it to everybody, which has already been shown to happen all across the board. I am recommending anyone that asks me to get it as soon as they can. You see, it's it's making it sound like everybody right now should go get it. You mean you're three years old, the way you're 75, and it's not open for everybody. Health experts say immunity from the bivalent booster should carry through the holiday season. Right? Look at what they're saying right there. It's not going, they're admitting right now that even the bivalent is going to taper off pretty quickly in three months. Why does anybody keep doing this? That's why nobody is, in fact. Apparently, in most places, it's under 1% of people that are actually getting this, which will not only protect the person getting vaccinated, they claim, but also vulnerable loved ones. You see my point? That's not true. We know, as a matter of fact, it does not stop spread. You can catch it, you can spread it. So what's their argument here? If you can still catch it and spread it, and all you're doing is reducing your risk of hospitalization, which is also not true. That's what they claim anyway. How are you protecting grandma exactly? Oh, that's right. They're just grasping onto this dead talking point that's connected to nothing right now at all and saying it again anyway, because that's what they're supposed to do. Good job, media. Blindly following what you're told. Going forward, I just recovered from COVID. Should I get a booster? People who have recently recovered from COVID should still get it boosted. That's what they say, even though most of the peer-reviewed science has found that that's actually problematic. But it says data suggests immunity from prior infection may not be as protective. Not true. When they say data, note they don't say these new studies like they do here because it's just a couple of data points. The fact is pretty much every single study you can find from the predominant outlets all say lasting, durable, robust immunity from natural infection. And you know that I've... I mean, it's just, these are the kind of points where I feel like I'm banging my head against a wall. How is this still happening? It's not like the trust the science crowd. I mean, they're saying trust the science, but they're not even engaging with the endless amount of peer-reviewed studies that have found that natural infection very clearly does lead to lasting, durable, robust immunity. And the last one I keep showing you is that it completely does last through Omicron. So how in the world can they keep pretending that? Well, because some data things we want to point at suggest that could be So you know that that's not true, but some data says, so you pretend that's okay to say. I get it. Well, here's another point. 2021 study from the CDC found, well, how about the fact that there's been like a thousand 2022 studies that all find the opposite? But it's okay. We just want to point at one back here that we like. This one over here found that people were over five times more likely to get sick 
at verse time back. Remember that study? That was one of the most ridiculous studies that got even called out by people in the corporate media. It was pathetic and it was manipulated. But here we have the USA Today just going, this old study says that you're more likely to die if you don't get back. Well, no. The point is everything now today is showing the opposite. They just don't care. Same thing right here. Other studies have shown that vaccination after COVID infection may offer broad protection. No. Yeah, this one says something very kind of like, you can read it for yourself. It's not even what they're saying. The reality is that they're saying that ultimately people that, based on our testing, that have gotten sick but also got the vaccine, they're claiming have better immunity. But then when you dig into the study, you simply find out that they don't really prove whether the immunity that they had from natural infection was in fact diminished after they got the injection. They just realized that people that had both compared to the vaccine alone were better. You know why it looks like that? Because they have even the smallest amount of natural immunity. That's why. But without the injection, they have lasting, durable, robust immunity that lasts possibly the rest of their life, which is what the NIH and even the WHO said. But yet here we are. This old study says this one thing we want to point at. That's called cherry picking. Here, should I get, they ask, should I get both and mix and match? Yeah, they're still doing that. Get whichever bivalent booster shot is available. There's only one. Or I guess, no, excuse me, this is in Moderna Pfizer, but get whichever one is available. So it doesn't matter whether you got three Pfizer shots, get the Moderna one. Even though they have different holding temperatures, different ingredients and, you know, everything. But it doesn't matter, though. Just mix and match because vaccine good no matter what. This is the kind of unscientific trust the science mantra that we've seen since the beginning. I made fun of the mix and match. Remember, I, I used that as a, as a derogatory talking point. And then they started calling it mix and match. That's ridiculous. CDC guidance says FDA authorized boosters can be mixed and matched after completing a primary series. My God. Is the bivalent booster shot safe? What are the side effects? Here's what they say. Clinical trials in people have yet to be completed. But health experts say, which ones? Well, some people out there say that there are no safety concerns. I can't even believe they feel like they can say that. There are no safety concerns? I mean, you can't even say that about the first one. You can't say that about any shot. But this is how aggressively desperate they've gotten. The fact that you're going to say, we haven't studied this, but people over here say there's literally nothing to worry about. Wow. Guys, that's straight up a crime. I mean, literally. You can't, that, that's, people, Pfizer's already been charged $10 billion plus for lying about safety just like that. The FDA said study participants who received the bivalent injection reported some pain. Okay, well, right there. That's a safety concern. <laughs> I mean, how pathetic is that? But that's not the reality because what they're pointing at is they, res- they these are people that have like a very small grouping in regard to efficacy, not safety. And the reality is that this is not done. This is done from a, a the B1 shot, not the B5 overlap original. That's the point. That's why they still say bivalent but they never even released the BA1 shot. They're, they're manipulating people that don't know any better. You could prove this. Now, it goes on to say, although there's limited data, health experts agree. What do you mean health experts agree? I could point to a 15 highly credentialed experts that are, have better credentials than the people you're probably pointing at that say that they're not just not safe and effective, but they'll kill people, including one of the people we just pointed at who used to be on your side. But they say all of them apparently agree that new boosters are safe and will provide broader protection. Apparently, they leave out effective. That's telling. But that's just not true. They haven't proven that. They don't know that. And in fact, their evidence shows that's not what's going to happen. But it says FDA Commissioner Cadliff said that if the agency waited until studies were completed, you know, to find out whether they were safe or effective, the COVID wave will have passed us. Okay. 
So is that a bad thing? Like, so the implication is supposed to be that the, that the, the, the wave would have killed everybody. But you see right at the same time, they're right over here arguing it's about the flu. And it's about a one one thousandth of the risk for children. And the Omicron problem is not even that dangerous. It's just very transmissible. But we're worried about letting that pass us. You know what's going to happen? You're going to get these jabs in people and you're going to make a new variant. It's going to continue down the road. That's what I think they're trying to do at some level. We have to be step ahead, at least have to try. So the point is, we want to do this very dangerous thing that we haven't tested just in case this thing might be pass us by by the time we want to sell these to people. I mean, my God. The whole flu thing, if I still have that, let me see. Oh, actually, I have another thing I'm going to play in a second, but I'm going to play this right now anyway since I found it, is that Quebec was admitting this is less than the flu right now. All the needs of the population. Thank you. And my second question is for Dr. Quash. I believe you mentioned in French uh, that when it comes to COVID in schools and with children, it might be time to treat it more like other respiratory viruses. Uh, could you explain what you mean by that? Well, what I meant is we see complications arising from other respiratory viruses, be it influenza, RSV. Um, what we've seen in terms of severity of COVID disease in children is that it is actually less than influenza for most age groups in terms of rates of hospitalization. And so okay, well, that's very obvious. Now, before we get to the next one, I kind of jumped ahead there. I want to go over this next part of this, where it's saying, can I get the flu shot? Yes, this again, because it's still happening. Can I get the flu shot and the bivalent injection, they say booster, at the same time? Yes, with an exclamation mark. No equivocate, no quibbling, just absolutely no question, they say. Health officials are, in fact, encouraging Americans to get their flu shot and COVID booster in the same visit. I'm still asking, why is this not a topic everywhere? Quote, I really believe this is why God gave us two arms, this absolute manipulator said jaw. I'm acting like you're a three-year-old child. One for the flu shot, one for the COVID shot. Here's some ice cream. I mean, this is how stupid they think you are. And again, for those that haven't seen it, it's right in plain English. As you can see, both CVS and Walgreens promoting the idea that you should do them. In fact, giving you discounts if you get both of them next to each other. Despite the fact that the Pfizer data still, as of September 2022, says studies to determine if the co-administration of the COVID jab with other injections and whether it may affect safety or efficacy of either of them have not been performed, which means it could literally kill you. It could make the efficacy go down to negative or zero, even though it's already where it is. But yet they're claiming it's safe and do it because we know they don't know and it's not safe. That's the obvious reality. And of course, if they don't even know the long-term safety data in general, none of it is safe. But here's also the FDA document that still says the same thing. There is no information, not limited, not some, no information on the co-administration of the bivalent or the original shot alongside injections like the flu. None. So back to this. How do you make, how do you possibly get away with that statement unless we're watching a manipulated situation? The whole world being a stage, apparently. All the officials are encouraging you to do it. That is straight up villainous. You're killing people. And on top of that, just in case you want to see it too, it's also the same with the vaccine for, or the injection for pregnant and breastfeeding. It still says, we don't know. We don't have the information as of August 31st. We don't know. Safety profile is not known in pregnant. Doesn't matter. They're still pushing it. Safe for pregnant people. That's how that works. Because they're lying to you. Even the CDC. 
But back to the flu. Before we get to the next clip where they're admitting it's less than the flu, here is Dr. Hillary, I, mean, I think it's this guy here, warns of twindemic of COVID and flu. They're still pushing this lie. They're still pushing this. We are worried about a potential simultaneous onslaught of both a uh, resurgence of COVID, which we're seeing right now, and flu. And, look at what- and here's the part, the part about this is they're stressing this resurgence of, the, of, of, of COVID. I mean, we're talking, and first of all, it's only cases. Which, by the way, meaningless if we're not in danger, which we're not. Most people are less than the flu, and this is just another thing that can happen. And the bottom line is that you cannot pretend that this is all-encompassing when there's far more risky things out there. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. But on top of that, the overwhelming, baffling, unexplained excess death, that's the problem they do not want to look at. Right. So if COVID's rise is so dangerous, why don't they care about this insurmountable number that's exponentially larger than what they're claiming is the biggest threat to your life? It's a choice. But here we go for the twindemic for the third time. And my guess is they will use it this time, but it won't be a twindemic. It'll just claim the flu is worse than ever because COVID, because we all wore math. That's what he's going to say next, which is not true. What's happening in Australia, which is a good gauge of what could happen in our winter. They've seen the biggest number of flu cases in five years. Flu. And one of the reasons for this is because we've all been wearing masks. We've been in lockdown. We've been hiding nope. away Wrong. from COVID. Fake. So our immunity against viruses that Wrong. cause flu have also, uh, um, is also diminished. I, that's not true. I mean, this, I've, I've gone over this in previous shows. I'm not going to dive into it again today. The bottom line is we know that masks are not statistically significant in reducing transmission of flu or, co- or coronavirus or anything else. It's a fact, period. And in fact, on top of that, the masks increase your risk of infection and on and on and on. So that's not true. In fact, it got people more sick. So it would argue that they had more resistance. But the bottom line is the lockdowns and everything else, same way, only increase those risks, increase the illness. So what they're trying to argue is the, the reason flu disappeared is because of these things. Well, no, we already proved to you that flu is simply conflated with pneumonia and COVID-19. It's right on their damn website. It's called PIC on the CICDC website. That's pneumonia, influenza, and COVID, and they report that as COVID numbers. It's not even hidden from people. But yet we go, oh, it just disappeared because masks and stuff, and it might come back this time. But they've already threatened that twice now, and it didn't happen because they weren't ready to initiate the agenda. But they already floated. This year's flu seems even worse. How do they know that? I'm not even sure. But they claim, oh, no, it could be worse than COVID. That's the first time they've said that. So I'm watching that intently. So there is a risk that some people, particularly the people with existing uh, medical conditions, could be uh, at risk. Oh, of course. Twindemic coming your way, right? Well, here is an interesting discussion where they kind of admit to you that, as this person writes, they openly admitting that they can't tell the difference between COVID and flu. So it comes down to what? A PCR test that just tells you what you want to see for the most part, which even the creator admitted is not designed for what they're using it for. They're lying to you. Now, don't forget on top of this, I haven't brought this up in a while. There's so many ways to go about this conversation, but we went through and proved to you at the time, they do not have the capacity to test for variants. Don't forget that. It's an estimation based on certain locations that do have that ability. I proved this to you. And since this has happened, that hasn't changed. So right now they're still giving you the estimation illusion of what's happening. So how do we even know this is what's happening at all? But it says they're openly admitting they can't differentiate between COVID and flu. So that's the test that they're relying on. The same flu that apparently disappeared in 2020 when COVID struck. What's worse, they write, listen, as Sutton says, the flu is much worse. You've been had. I agree. Oh, can we start to tell the difference between influenza and COVID systems, COVID symptoms for sure now? Um, it's not an easy thing to differentiate. And so, uh, 
you know, get that COVID rat test or, or COVID PCR test if you have got any of those compatible symptoms. Right. And there you go. Case demic all over again. So if you got the sniffles, go get tested. Guess what? You're probably going to get tested until you were told you had COVID. And that's the bigger point we're going to make in a second is that what they're telling you is that we're so scared because people might not get tested and they'll never know they have COVID. Oops. They actually are saying that right now. Doesn't that very clearly show you that they're not in danger if they won't even know they had it and they confuse it with the cold? Yes. But they're acting like that's going to kill us all because they're not even going to know. They're not testing because they don't know that because we're acting like it's over. I mean, my God, this is just a scare. I don't this is I think they're only scaring the the old and the desperate and the bought in. Um, but flu uh, looks very much the same. And in fact, for people who um, are vaccinated against COVID, it, it might be a much more significant illness with the high fevers, the terrible headaches, the can't get off the couch. People really genuinely feel like they're hit by a truck. Hmm. Exactly. I mean, and the interesting part about this is they're acting like flu is worse. I mean, it, it's just, if that's even the case, first of all, then the reality becomes that COVID is gone, or at the very least, not the big danger anymore. But yet they're not focusing on anything else. So right there, it shows you there's, it's just all about agenda. But if it's not true, then what are we dealing with and what's happening? I mean, nothing about this makes sense. These people are, are drowning in their own narrative. Or they don't even know they're lying to you, in fact. But at the end of the day, from the narrative controllers, that's what I think. But here's the point, though, is that nobody's doing this. You're not alone. Everybody sees it. And this is why we can tell. I'm not going to play this one, but it's just Long Island doctors say not many people are getting the bivalent injection. And it's it's less than 1% in this location, but it, by and large, I think it's barely, un, it's like 1.5%, all said and done. Even the people that got the first three, four, are not doing this. And you know what that shows you. You have to realize, it doesn't matter how long they lie to these people, if their family die, if their teeth fall out because they're wearing a mask 17 hours a day, it, they start to, they, whether they want to admit it to their neighbors, they feel will attack them. They just go, I'm not doing that one again. Like I, I can see what happened to me. I saw what happened to my body. I saw how all these people I know that got COVID or rather got the injection had these problems, but nobody I know that didn't have those problems. Like they, they see this. It's rampant. It's everywhere. And that's the evidence of it. The people aren't doing it. They're done. So what do they do next? either scare them even more or switch to something else. Well, here seems to be where it's going. Experts warn the UK is already at the start of a devastating new COVID wave. Well, it's not devastating at all because it's only cases. Nobody seems to, they keep telling you hospitalization, death are dramatically down. So why is it a devastating? It's devastating because they want you to be scared. That could cripple the NHS this winter. That's one of those jokes that everybody should take the time to look up. Just look back and see, destroying the NIH or whatever the term was every single year. I mean, literally as far back as you can look, they argue the flu was going to collapse the NHS over and over and over until COVID. They said COVID is going to collapse the NHS. It's just a narrative guys. It's constant. It says amid fears, Omicron variants are dodging immunity. And guess what? We're already there. And maybe they're selling you this because they realize they already lost with a bivalent. Who knows what that's going to turn into? You know Pfizer's going to pressure them to use it and, and follow up with their contracts. So they're going to force this on you one way or another, whether they change it or sell it something else or make it a new flu shot. Who <laughs> ultimately knows what happens here? But they're already telling you that the new, the 275 or whatever it was, is already overtaking the problem. 
Therefore, the new bivalent injection is not working. It's not, it's, it's exactly what we already predicted if that's even what's actually happening. Their narrative is we've already gone to new variants. So why would anybody step up and take the thing that was designed for things that aren't there or eventually won't be? Good question. Early data revealed that the new subvariants of Omicron, is that we're just in the world of, of never-ending subvariants of Omicron, are evolving around the immunity that was built up through vaccinations. And they are talking about, I'll show you in a minute, the new one, not BA4 and 5, but the new one. COVID cases rose 14% last week, according to the most up-to-date figures. Approximately 1. million Brightons are currently infected. Okay, that means absolutely nothing. If it was a common cold, would you be scared? Now, I'm not even suggesting they're the same. I'm just simply saying, if it was the cold, would you be scared of 14% increase in common cold? 1 million people are infected. Well, no, because it's not something you're usually scared of. So if we acknowledge what they've already admitted to you about what COVID currently is, if that's even there, and I mean that, then why is it concerning? It's just this long COVID and and the, the potential for it to come. It's hype and, and scaremongering about the unknown. That's all this is. Now, it says he explained that symptoms are also presenting themselves slightly different. And I already showed you this meaning they may be infected individuals aren't seeking tests. Okay, first point, then they're not in danger. Now, you could argue that maybe they might get sick later, but then wouldn't they get tested then? Well, yeah, so it's the same point. If they're not seeking tests, then they never got sick enough to be need to want to get one. Then it goes on to say, quote, many people are still using the government guidelines about symptoms which are wrong. <laughs> okay, I just love that because... So if we point out the government's wrong about something they point out, we're a conspiracy theorist. But now that the narrative does not fit what they want you to think, because they want you to think it's worse, well, they go, oh, well, the government's wrong. Or we don't agree with the, with the removing the mask mandate. Like, well, aren't you the one saying trust the science? Well, those are the people in the corporate science government level that are telling you masks don't be, are needed anymore. And all you do is go, no, they're wrong. So you're trusting yourself? You're trusting the narrative that they set out for you? They're going to still say trust the science, but think about how stupid that is. They're all doing that. But it says, quote, at the moment, COVID starts in two thirds of people with a sore throat. Fever and loss of smell are not are rare now, apparently. So wouldn't you ask? I'm not even going to go off on that. So many old people may not think they've got COVID. They'd say it's a cold and not be tested. Right. Oh, no, the rampant cold pandemic. The point is that people are not getting sick enough for them to think that it matters. That's the point. And you can look this up anywhere they're doing this talking, this discussion or having this discussion. It's very clear that people and even when they admit that it's not that dangerous right now, hospitalizations and there's anything could be problematic. Flu, they claim, kills people. The point is, it's just because it can doesn't mean you should treat it like it's the end all be all killing the human race. Quote, people are going to get various infections over the winter, but won't know what they are because free tests aren't available. It's going to be a problem. Again, the, that, that one's the most important because it doesn't act like just they don't know in the beginning. That clearly paints an entire picture of the whole winter. That people are going to get all sorts of infections and they won't even know because there's no tests. Okay, so if they didn't even know they had it, why does that matter? See, the point is if they test all these people, they're going to get the case numbers that they desperately want to use to hype up the fear. Experts, here's the point about which one it is. Health experts have found that the newer variant of Omicron, BA275-2.2, derived from the BA2 and BQ1.1, apparently we're all, all these different variants, derived from BA5, have been able to partially escape the immune system. Okay. Who didn't see that coming? 
So rush out and get the thing that you're going to get injected for that's going to be no longer necessary in 30 seconds. Quote, what we're finding is the virus is evolving around the immunity that's been built up through vaccines and countless infections. No, you see, they're working their way around the broken half measure immunity, if you can even call it that, of whatever the world these things are doing to your body. People that have gotten infected with this or whatever else is happening have lasting, durable, robust immunity that continues to be good if you have stayed away from these injections. So all the peer-reviewed science finds, you can't keep saying trust the science and yet ignore what peer-reviewed science is finding. I'm not saying that means for sure that's what's happening because I question everything, but you have to acknowledge that's what the peer-reviewed science is finding, but they don't. They run from it, which means they're cowards and liars, but that's where we are. So here is an interesting point that I want to make before we jump over into the forced injection part of the conversation. Now, I don't, you don't have to agree with everything he's saying or everything he brings up, but think about this in the context of how obvious it is that there's a whole lot of other things in the world that we already know about that very, very likely could be and are at least compounding what you're feeling right now, whether that's COVID or flu or whatever else. And all we can do is, as his question is, if it's not a virus, then what's making me sick? Now, this doesn't have to be only in the conversation of there is no virus. It could just be that there is no COVID-19. But however you look at this, realize that he's right. That, and this is something I talked about with Andrew Kaufman, Dr. Kaufman, a long time ago. There's a lot of other factors that could be making everything happen, if not entirely, that we just pretend aren't even there. Because it has to be the phantom thing that they keep pointing at, right? Listen to this. Excellent point. Something that I'm asked pretty often by those who uh, don't understand my position on virology is, okay, Alec, if it's not a virus that's making me sick, then what could possibly be making me sick? And my answer is, I don't know, maybe poor nutrition, herbicides and pesticides, stress, mold, perpetual fear, overuse of pharmaceuticals, poor sleep, poor gut health, heavy metals, toxic skin products, EMF exposure, dental procedures, toxic air fresheners, toxic cleaning products, lack of community, overuse of antibiotics, overconsumption of sugar, pasteurized inorganic dairy, fast food, processed foods, refined grains, lack of time in nature, lack of exercise, poor detox pathways, unhealed trauma, vegetable oils, toxic tap water, lack of minerals, soda, overconsumption of alcohol, smoking, poor oral hygiene, chemtrails, shots, and so many other things. The reality is, because we're so myopically focused on this unproven idea of submicroscopic particles that are passed from person to person, we are ignoring all of the many other things that we know are making us sick. That's a great point. Now, again, it doesn't, you don't have to believe in the last part of it. I, I agree with them. I think whether you're talking about COVID being an illusion or something larger than that, these are things that we should be willing to engage in especially since what we can see historically that we're told by the government almost always turns out to be at least half the truth at the very least. But it's interesting. All of the things are obviously adding to problems that we pretend aren't there and just blame something else. It's kind of like the idea that they pretend that these out, these dangerous algae blooms are just totally natural. No, they're not. It can happen and it can be dangerous, but the problems they cr are created by pollutants in the water, industrial runoff. But just because they, Algae blooms can be natural. They just claim that any of them are natural. It's a game they play with convincing you that what they're doing is not your is not their fault, but your fault or somebody else's fault. That's the problem here. Now, on top of everything we just talked about, we are okay. We are seeing this weird transition 
on the surface, making it look like it's away from COVID, but in, really it's just cementing what they've already been doing. And this example, Pelham sh shared this, when Australia, when you just thought, when you thought COVID was over, new legislation is introduced in West Australia, which allows officers to break into your home without a warrant and potentially force people into quarantine facilities and force vaccinate. That's the same thing we see in other documentation, and I'll show you myself. Now, this video is interesting. It's weird that the, the verbiage does not line up with what I see in the document that I see linked in this discussion. But it is the same content, so that's very strange to me. I even looked up the Wayback Machine. In any case, we, we'll skip the video, but you can watch it for yourself. And, I'll, and we'll look at the documentation itself. But what I found weird was, like you can see right here, like the, the four of the purposes of this, and you search for that, and you'll find the same context, but a completely different writing. So I don't know, maybe there's like a pre-document that went out. I'm not sure. But it is correct, and I'll show you myself. So here is the document itself, first of all. Parliament.westernaustralia.gov. Uh, so it's very clearly the, the government. And it's called Emergency Management Amendment Temporary COVID-19 Provisions Bill 2022. Now, essentially, I'll read to you what the, even the corporate media writes about this is Many people perceive this as cementing in these powers outside of COVID. But here's what it says. First of all, what are two of the main parts anyway? This is powers to control and use property and related powers. So the breaking in part, it's listed right here. It says the section provides authorized COVID-19 officers with the power to take control or use any place, vehicle, or other thing, whether inside or outside the declaration area of some kind of COVID problem, for COVID management purposes, and while a COVID-19 declaration is in force, when exercising this power, an authorized COVID-19 officer may enter or, if necessary, break into and enter any place or vehicle. And why is that even necessary? That's wildly over the top. But it's the same thing throughout this whole document. An authorized COVID officer may also direct the owner or occupier of an apparently a person apparently in charge of a place, vehicle, or thing to give the authorized COVID officer reasonable assistance to ex exercise their powers. So now you have to, you basically become, you have to do what they say and, and help them arrest people. I mean, that's wild. It's the same thing everywhere. These are over the top powers. Here's the concerning part for me. And you can see this in U.S. legislation, even documentation that came out in Florida. It says right here, section 77Q, allow authorized COVID officers, which they just told you could break into your home, do whatever they want, essentially, to take or direct a person, you, or a class of persons, you grouping of people, to take any action that the officer considers in their sole discretion reasonably necessary to prevent, control, or abate risks associated with COVID. Now, you know what that means. That means anything, including forced vaccination, quarantine. That's what it means. That's what it says everywhere else that you can find these. It's an opaque, open discussion. They can do whatever they want if they think it's necessary to prevent, control, or abate the risks. And you know what they keep saying, that vaccines are the number one thing we should be doing. There you go. This And this goes beyond COVID. Even though it says COVID-19 declaration, you'll find all sorts of documents and discussions in here, or rather points in the document and discussions that seem make it obvious this is it's broadened. But the point is, you know how this gets continued. And all they have to do is amend it and change it, and it becomes something else. Or they can just claim it's connected to the COVID-19 problem, and there you go. That's how these things work. And here is, it's not just my opinion, here is the Western Australia Today. Draconian rebranded Western Australia pandemic laws will shock public opposition claims. This was in September, end of the month, 2022. Western Australia will keep its draconian state of emergency powers, according to the opposition, with a new bill due to be introduced into Parliament on Wednesday, this already passed, simply rebranding the pandemic laws rather than winding them back. 
the unprecedented powers which allowed for the state's interstate and interstate, intrastate and interstate borders to be closed during the height of the pandemic and for mandatory lockdowns were first introduced in March 2020 and have been in place under a rolling system ever since, just like with the U.S. On Wednesday, the state government is due to introduce the Emergency Management Amendment, which we just read to you, to allow the state to go to a lesser level of alert. However, liberal leader David Honey claimed the proposed new laws, which will expire after two years, were appalling and would, would shock most members of the public. Interesting contrast to the the reverse political stance in this country, but the point the point, the teeter-totter illusion of a two-party paradigm. Quote, the state of emergency will not end. This act simply continues the state of emergency under another name. Quote, the amended laws can include seizing your car, seizing your home. In fact, they can break into both. And the, the point is, I just read that to you, but people will step in this very article, will go, ah, these are fake news. The opposition is lying about this. It's right there. They can direct any person to do anything they consider reasonable to deal with the particular concern. Just read it to you. Honey, who claimed the opposition was not handed a copy of the drafted bill until 6 p.m. Tuesday, which happens constantly, said the new laws would also remove the need for ministerial or parliamentary oversight as to when a state of emergency is declared. Not shocking at all. We're headed toward the end of the COVID crisis. I cannot comprehend that any parliament would allow these powers to be given to a public servant with no parliamentary oversight says here, the liberal leader continues to undermine and politicize COVID-19 and has news now stooped to new levels, undermining the police commissioner and state emergency coordinator's roles. The, the police and health have worked together closely within the past two years and have done a tremendous job. That's the other side saying, in, in, I don't know what that has to do with what they just said, by the way. The new bill would allow a state of emergency to be issued for rolling three-month periods for up to two years. So at any point, they could bring back a three-month lockdown, quarantine, forced vaccination. The drafted law states a COVID-19 authorized officer can compel a person to provide their identification and can prohibit their movement or order their evacuation for a declared area or force mask, force inject, force anything as it just read. An officer can also break and enter into place of vehicle and so on. Same point. The proposed laws will allow officers to continue to enforce isolation. I mean, it's so clearly over the top what this is. Now, in the context of the United States government, don't forget, guys, that this is the same thing. Don't forget, by the way, don't forget that Biden also declared an, an, a nat- the same level of emergency for COVID for monkeypox. Think about how dumb that is. No deaths, or at least the deaths they claim are very questionable. But we're talking under 10 at the very least. And that does not constitute an emergency no matter how you spin it. You, the argument they keep doing, they play with this is we have to get ahead of it, right? It could be tomorrow, so we want to declare it now. No, that's not how that works. But declaring an emergency does not get you ahead of anything. All it does is give them emergency powers which control your life. August 2nd, that happened. Result of the consequences of monkeypox. They're already going with just consequences because this is how this started. Wherever it was. Hold on. Oh, 2020. It started, as I've shown you before, on January 31st when Trump declared the emergency, which has opened up the entire Pandora's box. Detriment, de- uh, determination that the public health emergency exists nationwide as a result of the coronavirus not the consequence that of the that's that's how that's supposed to go right then to continue that endlessly forever it seems they changed it to say the continued consequences of the coronavirus that's how they point to things like long covid and things they haven't even proven are connected and just go well people keep having problems so we wanted to keep the emergency going 
July 15th was the last time I did this. So my point is, again, as I've made many times clear, you can go through this document right here and prove that more than once they have lapsed in their duties of declaring this. Every 90 days before it lapses, they're required to reinitiate it or end it. More than once, they've let it go almost a week, which means that week period, there was no emergency. It was illegal. So all the emergency authorized injections, all the emergency authorized actions were all against the law. There's no way you misunderstand that, but they just don't care because these people are criminals. They are rampantly lawless. But my point is right now, as of October 13th is when the next lapse happens. So pay attention. It's happened numerous times where even if it happens on the 15th, it's two days where you're being illegally manipulated. And I argue that's already what's happening, but even within their narrative, right? So let's keep an eye on this. And as well, opioid crisis, hurricanes, right? We live in the, the time of disaster governance, guys. It's what we have right now. Now, on this point, I'm not going to get into deeply because I just, I talked about this on the show the other day. But in case you want to investigate this further, outcry as British researchers given another US grant to investigate COVID. That's not what they're actually doing. But this is, guess who? Peter Daszak, Equal Health Alliance, being given more money from the US government to continue the dangerous work they've already been doing before in regard to coronaviruses. Yes, that's actually happening. How dumb is that? Here's the actual document. Now, the reason I'm not going to dive into this deep it's just because it's not new. It's only Peter Daszak and Ego Alliance being focused on. The reality is, and that's important. Trust me. I've made that very clear. But there's been, when Trump spoke up and, and paused the funding for Wuhan, at that moment, I made it point clear that there was at least six or seven other labs still doing the same research that never stopped. They're still going on now. So why is why the weird focus on this one group in one place other than the fact that they're criminally involved in what happened so far? And that's already been talked about. So I just why haven't the left or right jumped on all the other EPPP research or the other gain of function research? I just think it's interesting. So this is important. And I think it just shows the rampant lawlessness of any of this. But I would argue that this would have also happened under either side of this paradigm. But it's telling they're continuing it. What's going to happen next? Now, to finish this off on the two last parts of the artificial intelligence bill of rights, which is very concerning to me, and how this continues to build the world that they're trying to create and, and rationalize the control over your life using these things under a guise that it's going to make it all better, just like the Great Reset. They've been pushing this idea for a long time. The idea of the necessity, not just for the AI Bill of Rights, but for a new digital Bill of Rights. Act, and all it's going to be, this is just them reimagining everything we are, including the foundational documents we use to point out that they're criminals. Shocking. But I'm going to play a very quick points from this video, and then we're going to go into the actual document that lists what this is and show you why I think this is concerning. Now first, let's play this video. Let me find these places on it for you real quick. It's called The Blueprint. The blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights. Let me grab the timestamps here I had. Let's see. 1528. Guide the design. So this is the woman that... Oh, now I find it funny. Her name is like Iaea. <laughs> I thought that was a terrible choice for an IA Bill of Rights. And IAEA is hosting the... the, the kind of funny. But... Here's what she had to say, and just, just the opening. I thought it was interesting. 
Oops. Oh, dang it. Hold on. I just lost my place. 15, 28. of science and technology policy. This morning, after a year of extensive consultation with the American public, OSDP released the Blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights to help guide the design, development, and deployment of artificial intelligence and other automated systems so that they protect the rights of the American public. This morning, we will hear from several key Biden-Harris administration leaders as well as advocates on the front lines of these important issues. Um, to kick off today's program, it's my pleasure to introduce the White House Deputy Chief of Staff, Bruce Reed. Just in general for you to hear what they're talking about. And the question really needs to be whether this is what m Americans want. Now, artificial intelligence, you could argue, is, is un it's, it's coming no matter what. <clears throat> whether other countries do whatever it's already here in fact and that's the reality it's already being used and i don't necessarily mean like sentient like singularity level stuff but just artificial intelligence that's you know the levels building up to that essentially which is already being used in that way now, i don't know if that's accurate even to call it that but regardless it's a question we should ask whether that's what americans want do we want this to be implemented across everything we're doing because they claim it'll make life better well, I'm going to make my first point in this document is very clearly how what they're discussing is how obviously this can be abused in every possible way. But because we're outlining the right things to do, we're going to do the right thing. Like, it's just kind of silly, right? So there's a lot of ways it can be abused. And if it's not done right, they claim it can make it even worse. Everything they're talking about, racism, equity, sustain, everything. But because they want to do it the right way, we're going to do it, though. So what happens when in four years, somebody else gets in power? What happens then? And they abuse it. Like, why are we allowing a situation we know can be abused to be put in the hands of people that always seem to abuse what's in front of them? Doesn't that seem stupid? Talk about insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I'm gonna, I'll show you in a second. So either way, their argument is that this is dangerous, but needs to be done the right way. So I think we should be resisting this with everything we have because it will be used against us. I can almost promise you that. Now, here's the next part. This one is only two parts I want to play. I didn't really even get into this that far. I have a hard time watching these people for this long. 1639, here's what he said. As you all know, tech accountability is critically important to President Biden. As he says all the time, we stand at an inflection point on technology and on so many other issues. And in this moment, it's it's up to us to decide as a nation whether technology will be used to limit opportunity or expand it. Um, and there's my point. It's up to us, apparently, right? So what's to stop them from limiting it, right? And only making sure that they succeed or they grow and it limits everybody else. And just simply state they want the opposite. I mean, why is that hard to even imagine for people? If it's at all possible and it's some kind of... In, I mean, we understand that this, is, this can be insurmountable control and that's why they're arguing it's dangerous and we're going to put it in the hands of the u.s government we're going to agree that this is the right step i mean this is just the stupid this is putting a murder weapon in the hands of a murderer and saying you're going to do right with it right you're going to protect us with that weapon right it's just silly to undermine democracy or to strengthen it right and this blueprint for an ai bill of rights sends a clear message that we must choose the latter uh, last month, the White House released our core principles for enhancing competition and tech platform accountability, uh, promote competition, pre prevent algorithmic discrimination, and as the President said when he put forth his unity agenda in the State of the Union, 
We have an obligation to strengthen privacy protections, especially for kids, and hold tech and social media platforms accountable. Unless you don't get your vaccine, then screw them, though, right? <laughs> you know, like like we're going to pretend there's not a 15,000 caveats to that statement anywhere you look, unless you're Russian, unless you're Iranian, unless you're, you know, of course, that's not U.S. My point is simply the same, is that it's, it's a, they're lying to you. To act like those things matter to the people that are actively undermining those everywhere you look is insulting to your intelligence. But let's just, in the interest of time, let's jump to the document itself. Blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights. Isn't it weird this is happening now of all times? Like, wouldn't, couldn't you argue that we're in the middle of a pandemic? Or that we're dealing with a Ukraine war or, or whatever else they're breathlessly bleeding about. But in the middle of all that, they're rolling out an AI Bill of Rights and a great reset and changing everything we understand about everything everywhere. It's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Making automated services work for the American people. <laughs> so the, int the insulting part about all of this is what they get into is acting like they're trying to protect your privacy. As they're right now proving to you they don't care about that. If you're in a certain category. Or at all, for that matter. But it's a very clear example that right now we can watch that they argue that, well, if you don't get your vaccine, well, you have no right to privacy. You have no right to hospital care. You have no right to any of these things. And yet those same people are writing this out by saying everybody should be free for privacy. Well, you just made clear that you think that except for them. So why would we think this makes sense? That's why, no, I don't think people, I think people see through this right now. Among the great challenges posed to democracy today is the use of technology, data, and automated systems in ways that threaten the rights of American people. <laughs> like, again, it just doesn't, it, it just screams disingenuous. My, my first thought is, well, yeah, you're doing that. You're the one doing that. You and tech companies are actively colluding, as we just proved with COVID, to suppress and censor and control our lives. We just proved that for Twitter, through Facebook, through everything. They work together behind the scenes, Right? automated systems using algorithms, data and technology to threaten your rights. That's the first damn sentence. That's literally what the Biden administration and so too is the Trump administration doing to you. But let's make sure we give them the automated artificial intelligence powers over everybody to make sure that they can control that in the good way. I mean, I can't even, I can't even make fun of it. It's so disingenuous. Too often, these tools are used to limit our opportunities and prevent our access to critical resources and services. Right. Like all the unvaccinated and everywhere they were suppressed. These people are, these problems are well documented. You're damn right they are. In America and around the world, systems supposed to help with patient care have proven unsafe, ineffective, or biased. You'll notice the overlap of all the terminology from vaccines. It's impossible to miss. Algorithms used in hiring and, and credit decisions have been found to reflect and reproduce existing unwanted inequities and embed new harmful biases and discrimination. Well, it's the same thing anywhere you look. It's because you put in the data that humans are entering in. That's where it begins, and it starts from there. People are inherently biased. But the problem is that these biases are on the surface when you talk about health, specifically. As they just said, patient care. If they're acting like they don't want to discriminate people, except their entirely ingrained conversation about COVID entirely is inherently discriminatory, how do you make these two things make sense? They just pretend like it's not. They act like it's your choice to not take the vaccine. Therefore, you're discriminating against yourself somehow. All they want you to think about in this context is racial discrimination. That kind of stuff. Unchecked social media data collection, seriously, has been used to threaten people's opportunities. Right? See, that's my point. 
unchecked social media data collection, that's okay for suppressing ter domestic terrorists and people that have bad political beliefs or hate speech and, and transgender stuff. That's okay. But if you dare over-collect and suppress their opportunities, oh, that's not equity. That's not sustainable. You see what I mean? That's very transparent in that sentence. They don't care if they uncheck, collect data, suppress what they argue is bad stuff, undermine their privacy, or pervasively track their activity, often without consent or knowledge. My God, I, this is just laugh. This should be on Saturday Night Live. That's what I feel like. That's how stupid this is. It says these tools hold the potential to redefine every part of our society and make life better for everyone. But let's just pause and read the first part. These tools hold the potential to redefine every part of our society. Is that what you want? Who made that choice? Who's voting for this? The whole make life better for everyone is flowery language that is completely undefined if that's even what they want. It certainly could. Will it? <laughs> it's certainly up in the air, isn't it? The, this important progress must not come at the price of civil rights. Again, say these things all you want. When you're the one directly causing that to be the case, it kind of rings hollow. To advance President Biden's vision, the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy has identified five principles that should, should guide the design, use, and development deployment of automated systems to protect the American public in the age of artificial intelligence. The blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights is a guide for society that protects all people from these threats, or at least pretends that's what they want you to do or want to happen. Again, I'm not even, this is, it's called safe and effective systems. Really? I mean, like, who chose that? Like, they're either drunk on the COVID narrative or they want you to overlap these <laughs> safe and effective systems. Come on. You should be protected from unsafe or ineffective systems. You know what? I agree. Like the vaccine injections, I should say, that are not safe or effective or the mRNA platform that is not safe nor effective. But we should be protected from that. I agree. But that's not what they mean. Of course, they only mean the ones they want to talk about. Systems should undergo pre-deployment, testing, risk identification and mitigation and ongoing monitoring. Except not the vaccine program, not anything else, not foreign policy. No, no, no. Just the system we're putting out now. Shut up about everything else. We don't want to apply the logic to anything else we're doing, right? Outcomes of these protective measures should include the possibility of not deploying the system or removing a system from use. Really? Are we going to pretend that we'll speak up and go, we don't want it, never mind. And they're going to go, okay, we'll take it away. <laughs> But we're in kindergarten now, apparently. We're going to pretend that they're going to roll this out, create an entire funding apparatus, and write all these documents and, and infrastructure, and, and then we just don't want it. They're going to go, okay, we'll take it back. <laughs> this is so stupid. Automated systems, and of course, what they're really defining it as is individually, but even then, it's, it's laugh-out-loud ridiculous to pretend that they would even entertain that. They'll argue that... It, what, what I'll make clear as we go through this is they make it... they make it clear that it's only where reasonable or when necessary, which they'll argue when you want to remove it, it's not either. Automated systems should not be designed with an intent or reasonably foreseeable possibility of endangering your safety or safety or community. Of course, because they don't pretend that's what they're doing. So when they put out the weapon-shaped safety measure, they'll be like, no, no, it's for your safety, don't worry. And then when it ends up being a weapon, they go, oh, we didn't know, we didn't mean it. They should be designed to protect, proactively protect you from harms stemming from unintended yet foreseeable uses or impacts of automated systems. I mean, so they're acting like what they're currently doing, which is completely their design, which does all of that, is the problem. Therefore, here's the solution. 
They're not even hiding that. Problem, reaction, solution. It's like they're all holding three cards in front of you and they're showing you. So here's what we've been doing. They're hurting you right now. And here's how we fix that. So why would they take the solution to their problem when they're doing that with clear intention? Seems silly, doesn't it? You should be protected from inappropriate or irrelevant data use in this design, development, and deployment of automated systems. Again, same point. From the compounded harms of its reuse. Algorithmic discrimination protections. That's what's happening right now, especially when you talk about vaccination or versus unvaccination. But again, that's just the point that's on my mind. Everywhere you look, you can see these manipulative, like they care only about certain kinds, right? You want to discriminate against white people, go ahead. Absolutely, right? We've all seen that happen. You should not face discrimination by algorithms and systems should be used by design and design in an equitable way. Now that concerns me because equitable simply means that everybody in a fair way so as long as everybody's equally suppressed, then it's all good. Now, that doesn't have to be what they mean, but that would apply, right? So these need to be used in an equitable way. So equally, equally discriminatory, equally controlling, equally beneficial, however you want to look at it. Algorithmic discrimination occurs when automated systems contribute to unjustified different treatment or impacts disfavoring people based on their race, color, ethnicity, sex, including pregnancy, childbirth, and related medical conditions. Ooh, there's an interesting one. Gender, gen, gender identity intersex status, I don't even know what that means, and sexual orientation. Religion, age, national origin, disability, veteran status, genetic information, or any other classification protected by law. Shouldn't they, couldn't they have just said that? <laughs> you see, I always make this point. Couldn't they just say unjustified different treatment or impacts disfavoring people based on any classification protected by law? Yes, they could have. But that's not what they want you to do. They want you to focus on the ones they want you to think about. That's the propagandized topic. But genetic information is interesting. Related medical conditions, because you know right now they are absolutely discriminating based on medical things right now everywhere. But genetic information. So one, that seems to suggest that they know your genetic information. And two, that it's happening, which it is. Part of that could be vaccinated versus unvaccinated as well. But all of this is just screaming problems to me. And it says use and design systems in an equitable way. Again, as long as it's equally done the same way, that's what we're talking about. And they want you to interpret that as fair and positive. Now, oh yeah, before we go past discrimination, what's funny is this is just a, a cursory outline. If you dive into these links they provide, it goes deeper. And I found this a little bit more interesting. I didn't do it with all of them, but just under discrimination, it says, why is, the, why is this important? It says, there is, an extensive there is extensive evidence showing that automated systems as like we have right now, can produce inequitable outcomes and amplify existing inequity. Data that fails to account for existing systematic biases in American society can result in a range of consequences. For example, it's an interesting choice, facial recognition technology that can contribute to wrongful and discriminatory arrests, hiring algorithms that can inform discriminatory decisions. Now, of course, they want to focus on race and discrimination, but how about the fact that facial recognition technology can be incorrectly applied and you could arrest the wrong people or you could hire people like the the point is it doesn't have to be discriminatory. It can be abused. That was my point, right? It can be the algorithms can use to hire the people that you could per perceive as discriminatory, but it can be done in a malicious way that has nothing to do with race or Police can use facial recognition technology to suppress your rights. But what's interesting is they make this clear in a broad way, but kind of couching it with racial stuff, that extensive evidence does exist right now, showing you that the automated systems that are currently in use are abusive and are being used against you. 
Those are their systems. And of course, we're talking about Silicon Valley, but also the government guys using the same things. So again, same point. They're pointing at the thing they're doing and saying, that's bad. Here's the solution. Why would we trust they're going to do it any better the second time? Why is that in their best interest? It's not. Data privacy, same point. You should be protected from abusive data practices, it says, via built-in protections, and you should have agency over how that data is about you is used. Again, I mean, it's kind of the same point over the whole thing. They don't care about using your data right now. So why do they want to give you protection about how it's used the next time? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I, first of all, my gut tells me that's a complete, absolute fabrication like it always is. Like Israel said, don't worry, we're not going to sell your data. And they literally sold the data. I mean, it's and, and you, every time, every single time. I don't know why we keep falling for it. So I don't buy this for a second. Ensuring that data collection conforms to reasonable expectations that only data strictly necessary is collected, which is completely left up to them. Whatever they deem necessary, for whatever reason they deem necessary. It's everything. Everything's necessary for national security. Deployers of automated systems should seek your permission and respect your decisions regarding collection, use, access, transfer, and deletion of your data in appropriate ways and to the greatest extent possible. That's meaningless. That is absolutely meaningless. That gives them an opening to not do it. It won't happen whenever they want it to not happen. Where, not, where not possible, alternative privacy by design safeguards should be used, whatever that means. Systems should not employ user experience. It says burden users with defaults that are privacy invasive. Right. So setting defaults that they claim are absolutely necessary, like your little checkboxes that make you give away your life, basically saying not burden them with those necessary pri privacy invasive set settings. And that's what everyone's doing. Pointing at what they're doing and saying, here's why we should, this is, it's insulting. Consent should only be used to justify collection of data in cases where it can be appropriately and meaningfully given. Funny how they love to talk about consent outside of COVID vaccination or any vaccination for that matter, or anything, anything really, except now when they want you to think it matters. Any consent request should be brief, be understandable in plain language and give you agency over collection. This is what they claimed they were doing until they finally admitted the NSA was taking everything anyway. They're liars. Current hard-to-understand notice and choice practices for broad use of data should be changed. Right, so their practices should be changed. Right. Well, it doesn't mean we have to in enact an AI control system. We just How about you just stop cheating and stealing? How about that? Enhanced protections and restrictions for data and inferences related to sensitive domains, including health, work, education, criminal, ju criminal justice, and finance, and for data pertaining to youth, should put you first. So we're basically going to be collecting all of this stuff, but you know, you're going to come first though. I don't even know what that means. In sensitive domains, your data and related interferences should only be used for necessary functions. Again, whatever that means to them is whatever it means. It can mean anything's necessary. You and your community should be free from unchecked surveillance. Do you really believe that's going to go away? You know, that's not true. The last thing they're ever going to do is get rid of their surveillance, their surveillance control structure. Surveillance technology should be subject to heightened oversight. So that's all it means. As long as we know it's happening, we can pretend it's not happening, we're good, and we comply. Continuous surveillance and monitoring should not be used in education, work, housing, or other contexts where the use of such surveillance technologies is likely to limit rights. Well, how about the fact that the very ubiquitous surveillance itself is counter to constitutional rights? This is a bastardization of the reality. Everything about this screams dishonesty. Notice an explanation. 
Designers, developers, and deployers of automated systems should provide generally accessible plain language documentation, including clear descriptions of the overall system functioning and the role automation plays. Notice that such, such systems are in use, the individual or organization responsible for the system, and explanations of outcomes that are clear, timely, and accessible. Basically saying, we'll tell you when we're doing this. It's ubiquitous. This will be everywhere all the time is what they're trying to do. You should know how and why an outcome impacted you. So what they're talking about is how this will influence actions that are taken. And all they're going to say is basically you should know why your life was influenced by this artificial intelligence deciding things for you and people around you. Now that we already saw Eric Schmidt make this argument that we're going to get to a place where AI will make decisions that we think are wrong, but we have to abide by because they know better. Paraphrasing says reporting about these automated systems should be made public whenever possible. You see my point? So what they're talking about here, or even here, making you know notices of where it's happening, they put a caveat at the end bang, you know, whenever possible though. Which means it's not going to happen all the time, which means it's probably never going to happen. That's my jaded opinion. Finally, last two parts here, health alternative, human alternatives, consideration and fallback. We should be able to opt out where appropriate. <laughs> Yeah, that always rings hollow when they say, you should be able to leave when we let you leave, when we say it's okay, when we allow you to, where appropriate. What does that even mean, where appropriate? Shouldn't it be us deciding where it's appropriate? Guess not. AI or they will decide for you, and then you have to abide by the decision. But if it's appropriate, we'll let you leave. You should be able to opt out from automated systems in favor of a human alternative, where appropriate. Again, so even if you're like, I don't agree. This AI system just took my life from me. I want to talk to a person. And they're like, not appropriate. <laughs> Nope, AI said, you're done. I mean, I'm, I'm making it a joke, but God, that's scary, isn't it? So these are going to be making choices for your life and, and action. I mean, everything is what they want to go, go to. And they're going to say, well, you should be able to ask for human help. This, this, I feel like idiocracy here. The computer is saying, no, nope, nope. This is what you get. Too bad. I mean, that's a scary reality. I mean, I shouldn't make a joke out of it. This is, a, this is alarming, especially since it's rife with examples of how it can be abused. And even they're pointing that out. We're supposed to trust that they're altruistic, even though they're clearly not. It says appropriateness should be determined based on reasonable expectations in a given context and with a focus on ensuring broad accessibility and protecting the public from especially harmful impacts. Can I just read that again? Just because that is the most ridiculously political sentence that means nothing and everything at the same time. Appropriateness, whatever that means, should be determined based on reasonable expectations in a given context and with a focus on ensuring broad accessibility and protecting the public from especially harmful impacts, it almost feels like there should be more to that sentence. It's like that none of those things mean anything. They all could mean anything. That's the point, though, isn't it? So basically, the appropriateness of your decision to opt out is completely up in the air based on these undefinable characteristics and factors that they're deciding for you. You should, be, you should have access to timely human consideration. This just sounds scary to me. And Red and remedy by a fallback and escalation process if an automated system fails, it produces an error, or you would like to appeal or contest its impact on you. But don't forget, that's only when appropriate and if they deem necessary. God, scary. Applying the blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights. While many of the outcome, or out, many of the concerns addressed in this framework derive from the use of AI. So just think about that. First of all, or just in general, if the majority of the concerns from rolling out the AI Bill of Rights come from AI itself, 
Shouldn't we just not do that? I mean, is that benefits outweigh the risks to use their god awful analogy? No, it clearly points out that AI poses more risks right now than even what they frame as the possible benefits because it's all up in the air. So despite that, just like what the injections we're doing now and everything else, we're just going to drive forward anyway because that's what they want. That's what they decided. We didn't vote for this. While many of the concerns, most of the concerns addressed in this framework derive from AI itself, we're going to do it anyway. It says this framework applies to one, automated systems that two, have, oh wait, that's not, uh, I think this is the bottom. I thought that was, that's, I think, cliff notes. This framework applies to automated systems that have the potential to meaningfully impact the American public's rights, opportunities, or access to critical resources and services. Well, read that for exactly how it's stated. Of course, they want you to read that as positive, but all it says is meaningfully impact. So exactly my point, this entire framework and what they're rolling out have lot, the potential to meaningfully impact in a vastly negative way or positive on your rights, opportunities, and access to critical resources and services. And at a time when they're watching people argue that you shouldn't have rights, opportunities, or access to services because of your choice of vaccine, think about how scary that sounds. This framework describes protections that should be applied, should be, with respect to all automated services that have the potential to meaningfully impact individuals or communities exercise of rights, opportunities, or access. Civil rights, privacy, equal opportunities, access to services, healthcare, financial, government benefits, all of it. The point is this whole thing can impact those ways and it, it impact them in catastrophic ways. They're just hoping you read positive. The measures taken to realize the vision set forward in this framework should be proportionate with the extent and nature of the harm or risk of harm to people's rights, opportunities, and access. Think about what that says. The measures taken to realize this vision should be proportionate to the extent of the harms they can cause. I mean, doesn't that seem to argue that the like, I mean, you read that for how you will. It, everything about this seems to stress the fact that this is a bad and dangerous thing, but because we're good guys, we're going to use it for the right reasons. Nothing in history or current reality gives you the impression that these people will do right by you. Period. Now, here's Wired making the same point, essentially, in a, in a soft way. October 4th, today. Biden's AI Bill of Rights is toothless against big tech. <laughs> there you go. And that's the whole point is it's all about the whole point is this whole outline only like in a very kind and suggestive way nudges the government to act a certain way and then gives them every possible out to not do it whenever they want to not do it, which means almost always, in my opinion. But what they point out here is that it even it doesn't even barely influence big tech at all, which is the real point of this, which then we already learned is simply overlap with government that influenced anyway. So we're fascist in a fascist situation here where there's an overlap with industry and corporations and the government. And it's all in the same kind of public-private partnership reality. So if it's not, if it's toothless against the ones that matter, then it's toothless and meant to be. Today, the OSTP released the blueprint, as we just read, after gathering input from companies like, guess who? Microsoft, Palantir, AI auditing startups, human rights groups. Apparently, they, I mean, they, they're the ones stressing the problems. But then general public. Are we going to pretend that the general public had any influence over what's actually happening just like they didn't have influence over the the WHO treaty or the, the, the accord, they're calling it now. They didn't. It says, unlike the better known U.S. Bill of Rights, which comprises the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, which is funny that most people don't even realize that. The Bill of Rights 
is the part of the Constitution, right? But the point is they're just the first um, 10 amendments to the Constitution. But none of those amendments are repugnant to the original Constitution. That's why they were constitutional. All the amendments they're trying to do and have done since then that counter the current standing Constitution are null and void according to the Supreme Court. But they just don't care. Mur Murberry versus Madison. Look it up. The point is, they've been, if they came out tomorrow, and it doesn't matter if everyone in government voted yes, that suddenly the Second Amendment doesn't apply. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. One, when they wrote the, the Constitution, it was about inherent rights, God-given rights, whether or not they wrote that down on a piece of paper. They're not rights given to you by anybody but God. That's the point. At least how they viewed it, and I agree. So when they said anything that then challenges the Constitution, and it means it's null and void, it reveals the fact that everything they're doing that does currently is unconstitutional and, in fact, illegal. Just so we understand that a little bit. But it says the AI version will not have the force of law. So what they just wrote out doesn't. It's a non-binding white paper. So it's basically meaningless writing on paper that has no effect other than stating what they pretend they want you to think they're doing. It will change how algorithms are used only if it steers how government agencies acquire and deploy AI technology or helps parents, workers, policymakers, or designers ask tough questions about these AI systems. It has no power over the large tech companies that arguably have the most power in shaping the deployment of all of this. That's a choice. The document released today resembles the flood of AI ethics principles released by companies, nonprofits, all these different people before. Their tenets are usually directionally right, using words like transparency and explainability and trustworthy. But of course, as always, they lack the teeth and are too vague to make a difference in people's everyday lives. Exactly. Thank God somebody can call out how transparently stupid this is. The final blueprint is intended to protect people from discrimination based on race, religion, age, and other protected law. It extends the definition to sex to include pregnancy, childbirth, and related medical conditions. It's an odd choice to include. When, when omitting other things, but it says a senior administration official said the focus of it is to shield people from tech that threatens their rights and opportunities, not to call for the prohibition of any type of technology. So again, the point is we're not trying to get rid of any of this. This is happening, but we're, we're shielding you from the bad guys. Even though right now they're the ones responsible for everything they pretend this is what they need to shield you from. Not sure how that makes sense. It's not Russia doing that attacking your rights in this country suppressing your free speech that's your government right now russia's doing that to their people that's, that's their their own government doing it to the, i'm not saying any government's any better and i'm saying i mean i do think right now the u.s government is easily worse than anybody else that we can look at that's just a basic reality that we're childishly not wanting to admit but either way i'm scared of all these governments i think they're all problematic and all in line with the great reset either way it doesn't make sense the department of health and human services will release a plan they say for reducing algorithmic discrimination in healthcare by the end of the year. Meaning it's happening right now. Healthcare. That's them. That's the government is saying we're discriminating against you right now using algorithms, but we're going to fix that. <laughs> it's, like, it's so stupid. Some algorithms used to, pri to prioritize access to care and guide individual treatments have been found to be biased against marginalized groups. One of which is the grouping of people that choose not to be injected, but they don't include that. The Department of Education plans to release recommendations on the use of AI for teaching or learning by early 2023. Already happening. Artificial intelligence for teaching your children. Some MEPs argue predictive policing should be forbidden because it violates the presumption of innocence as well as human dignity. 
But who cares about that, though? Because this is going to be everywhere. It's going to be in every facet of your life, and that's what they're promising. But the point is, even this person has the, the, the foresight to be able to see that that's a problem. But they didn't bring that up, did they? So I guess they don't care about that kind of discrimination, right? Well, here's even the ACLU, or AC, ACLU. When unchecked, artificial intelligence exacerbates existing societal disparities and causes real-life harm, period. We need this Bill of Rights, they say, to protect us against the use of... Okay, so you see where they're going. So the first sentence is the point. All they're then framing it as is not by us, though. It's the baddies over there that might do that. But artificial intelligence is not... You're talking about the U.S. government using artificial intelligence, which is driven by them. So without this Bill of Rights that they wrote, they wouldn't understand how not to abuse you? I mean, you don't see how none of that makes sense? They're the ones doing it. You get the point. I'm making this too clear. But it's insulting to pretend like they need their own writing to dictate whether or not they'll abuse you with their system. It just That's laugh out loud. Here is some examples. Here are some examples of how this is already and will be, already is and will be abused. The Rutherford Institute wrote on the front lines, the title, October 3rd, the Rutherford Institute has issued a public comment opposing the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services proposed rule on non-discrimination in health programs and activities, which seek to force healthcare workers to provide abortion and gender transition services, among other things. See, so, so it's something they politically agree with, and they're going, to, they're going to force people to do what they think from the HHS perspective. So right there is an example, pre-artificial intelligence, where they're doing exactly what they claim this thing will do, but they have to stop. But they're the ones influencing the system. And here they are doing what they claim needs to say. You see my point? They're the ones doing this stuff. But it says the proposed rule purports to affirm and implement what the Biden administration's perspective is on non-discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, as well as reproductive health care, including abortions. However, regardless of your opinion on whether that's right or wrong, the Rutherford Institute attorneys warn that any attempt by the government to compel healthcare workers to provide services against their professional judgment, religious convictions, or conscience is unconstitutional. Because it is. So again, the point is because just simply they they think it's right, even if you disagree and have a legal reason to stand against it, they just make you do it anyway. So why would we have any feeling that these people would care to not do the same thing and use that system to force that in and just bastardize it to be under the rules they wrote down? which is what they're doing right now with vaccines. And here's another alarming example. Same point. Now, I'm not going to keep saying it over and over the point, even though I already have this same point here. Here is an example, and this is in Canada, but you know this is all this is happening across the mall. We can see that there's examples of these same people doing the kind of thing that they claim this system will create, but they just don't consider this the problem. They look at this woman, and they think she doesn't have the... She's a conspiracy theorist. She thinks vaccines are bad or whatever, and they justify taking her child away from her. Now, why wouldn't the system run by these same people lead to those same actions if they've decided that is the right thing, that is an equitable thing for the child or however they want to frame it? Again, this is uh, Jeremy Lafredo doing good work. Sometimes I can feel really hopeless, but I try to keep focus. <laughs> Sorry. This isn't just our family. Like, they have... T- They've destroyed so many people's lives here. They've taken countless children from CMH and thrown them into foster holding from people who just wanted 
to get a different like a different medical opinion or a second opinion to verify like yes this is what needs to be done or wow why are they doing that there's nothing wrong with parents asking for that and they're ruining whole families lives not just ours remember when it used to be common you know good advice to seek a second opinion wasn't that your right isn't that your right well apparently now by wanting to get a second opinion from another doctor you get you, you get the government called and they take your child away in Canada. It says the use and abuse of Evelyn Young, ten year old girl, has been medically kidnapped. I, I've written articles about this back when I was writing a lot of articles. Just look, just type in medical kidnapping and TLAP. You'll you'll find many of them. After injuring her brain and temporarily blinding her with dubious drugs, her parents tried to change hospitals, which is her right. The doctors refused and gave the state custody of her child. Now, realize right now in Canada, I'll talk about this in another new, a show coming soon. I just saw on the high wire, they're justifying children deciding to take their own lives because of superficial issues, because of depression, because of mental problems. I'm not making this up. They just talked about this. It's on top of allowing people in abstract ways for learning disabilities to choose to take their own life, which again is adult's choice. If you're an adult, you can choose to do whatever you want with your body. But having a child giving them what they call compassionate end of life, a child in Canada. How is this even acceptable to anybody? Then we're put, we're allowing those people to take this child into their custody. That is scary, especially since this woman has the right to make that child's medical choices. This is scary stuff. This is happening in real time, guys. And the point was, the story's there. You can read into it for yourself. What they did had negative effects. They just believe they did the right thing, whether or not it hurt her. Sort of like putting people on ventilators that killed them is still the right thing because we were told to do that. And we still do it. Or giving them a dangerous injection that they don't need is the right thing because we told we were told that. And we blindly trust the CDC. This is the problem. It's everywhere. And that will influence the AI direction. 100%. Here's an example of Eric Schmidt telling you that we need to be censored. And that the AI, talking about the AI system and how that will censor the internet, this is where this is going. Here's what a Eric Schmidt had to say about exactly this topic. Um, people are not fully trusting their government. And someone that they don't know says, do you know, they're not telling you the truth. So an example would be, let's say the government announces that they've made progress in a particular part of the country. And one individual says, did you know this government, which they don't like or for whatever reason, is is actually not telling you the truth. It's worse than you think. Yeah, because that's that's impossible. Right. Which is his under is without stating it. That's what he's implying. That's not possible. There must be conspiracy theorists. Right. Because the government doesn't lie to you because you don't you need to fully trust your government. What a dumb thing to say. Anybody out there that fully trusts any government is dumb, period. That doesn't mean that they may not be good people fighting. The bottom line is they could be wrong. They can make mistakes. Or, as history shown, they could repeatedly lie to you and do exactly the opposite of what they say. You know, any one of those things. But yeah, fully trust your government because Eric Schmidt told you to. Damn it, these people are dumb. For whatever reason, is, is actually not telling you the truth. It's worse than you think. Humans tend to be skeptical. And such a person can get, uh, using clever techniques, can actually get quite an audience. Now, this problem is solved. In yeah, it's called it's called telling the truth when it, in a time when everyone else is lying. Obviously, not everybody, but 
You know, like, so it is just the, the implication is there's no possible situation where they are lying to you, right? Like WMDs or Syria or Bolivia or Venezuela or on and on. No, no, no. All fake news, though, despite repeatedly being proven a liar. How about just every moment in Ukraine? In China, because they censor the Internet. Oh, yeah. Here's the, the main person- point. Here's the main point that apparently this only like this is not only giving a nod to why we should censor the Internet, but simply argues that it, this in a very childish way that apparently the U.S. government isn't censoring the internet. <laughs> Think about how dumb that statement is, that apparently they're not, even though they just got caught doing it. Wow. ...can get, uh, using clever techniques, can actually get quite an audience. Now, this problem is solved in China because they censor the internet. And this problem is solved in Russia because they censor <laughs> the internet. This problem is not solved in democracies. Because democracies are organized around individuals having freedom of speech. Is that how you feel right now? Well, first of all, we're not in a democracy, and democracy is not even what you should want. If we're, you know, a republic, it should be ultimately what you should strive for, in my opinion, unless we're going for anarchism, which no, we're not going to get into today, which doesn't mean chaos. It means no rulers, not no rules, but it's a whole bastardization of the topic. He's actually implying that because we're a democracy that they don't do that even though they literally just got caught doing that in a massive way and even corporate media reported on it. So is he stupid and not aware of that? Or is he lying to you for a very clear agenda? You could choose for yourself. We have to come up with a way of expressing limitations on speech, nope. which provide freedom of speech, but without lying <laughs> that causes people to get killed. Oh, okay, so limits on speech then. So not free speech. Got it. And we haven't found that boundary. Now, in the- there, now, there's no such thing as free speech that has limits. That's, that's, that is an illusion. That's the game they're playing today. And that's what he's doing. He's trying to justify suppressing your speech, but only the speech they say is bad. Period. Now, here's Bernie's tweets pointing out that this is another example of how this is already happening. Algorithmic discrimination. Exactly what they say they want to stop, but exactly what they're already doing. PayPal is rolling out a new art agreement. Now, think about this. Are we going to pretend like these groups that are going exponentially further in the censorship realm are going to suddenly go the other way because AI Bill of Rights just got written? Again, that's childishly stupid. It's naive. PayPal is rolling out a new agreement to give itself more censorship powers. The Reclaim the Net articles right there. And the ability to deduct income directly from those who don't abide by its speech rules. See, now they're admitting they are stealing money. They're just writing it into their bylaws, right? So before, they stole my money when they shut down the account and didn't give it back. And many other people the same way, despite breaking no rules other than claiming I was spreading medical misinformation, which is now proven to be correct, right? They're thieves and criminals. Effective 3rd of November, you will comply with their views or be punished. Updated policy that pulls financial services from those that don't adhere to its arbitrary speech limitations. Damages is up to $2,500, right? So she's right. Not just that they can pull your account, but they'll charge you for saying the wrong thing. What, what right do they have to influence your speech? These people are out of their minds, but this is across the board, guys. Now, one point I wanted to include, and I'm not going to include this link, by the way, I, this is the kind of scary step that we can, this is happening. The AI part of this is rushing into your life, whether you want it or not. This is, not, this is a AI-powered mobile robot for home monitoring. It's not a toy either, even though it's listed on toys. This is, this is, it says work with Alexa, Google Home, 1080p camera, human and pet recognition, 
me cannon wheels with FD auto patrol docking. Like they want you to think this, hey, cool, it's a new Alexa toy. This is a, mo- a wandering monitoring surveillance device directly tapped into Google and Alexa with 1080p recognition and facial recognition that's going to be wandering your house. How fun. Ask it the weather. Yay. I mean, if you're dumb enough to buy into this, then probably you're already lost. But come on. This is the kind of thing they're doing. And they want to act like it's a game when it's complete control. Now, what's an interesting overlap here before we finish with the direction of the AI future they're building Wittgenstein points out the United Nations has recently accused Bangladesh of using, weird, interestingly enough, its own Digital Security Act. Not, I'm not con- confusing that with this AI Bill of Rights. I remember we just talked about the digital ID, the digital, the bioeconomy direction, all this stuff overlapping, the push for your digital future. That's what they're driving us into right now. They passed their own Digital Security Act under the guise, just like everyone else, that's going in the right direction right? For the future, for the equitable, sustainable future. But what they did is what everyone's going to do, suppress what they want to suppress with it, which in their case was environmental activism. Oops, went the other way. Exactly like it's going to everywhere if you understand what's happening. It has called on the country to amend the act and stop using the security law to arrest those protesting against coal-fired power stations. Well, that doesn't make much sense when everyone else is going the direction of the green. You see, it's all an illusion. This is a tool for tyrannical authoritarian governments to suppress their governments or their peoples under a guise of doing the, quote, right thing, when that means whatever they want it to mean, just like the AI Bill of Rights. So you can watch the video. The point is that they're suppressing people protesting the coal-powered stations with the Digital Security Act. And then guess what happened right after this? Nearly all of Bangladesh without power after failure, grid, grid failure, after grid failure. Now, I'm not necessarily saying I know that they're connected, but that's an interesting thing to happen, isn't it? When they're kind of exposing the scam of the whole direction by jumping out too early and attacking the people with the thing that's supposed to save them. Well, it could be that, or it could just be that there's a, a an, another agenda to create the illusion of a complete grid failure to justify the Great Reset. But either way you look at it, it's going in that same direction. What an interesting timing of a failure of a grid when they are creating the exact problem everywhere you look. Now, it could just be organic, sure. All I want you to do is ask questions, that's all. I want you to question whether there's coordination and whether this could be connected to something bigger. And then when we have the evidence, to just acknowledge that it's there. That's all I ask. Now, to finish, the direction all of this is leading us to. And first off, again, none, coming from none other than Mr. Mr. Great Reset Future himself that constantly says all the things they don't want him to say, apparently, Mr. Harari. Bernie's tweets points out, as he says, Fear, I've, I haven't seen this one, by the way. I've seen most of his tweet things that kind of come up and bubble up and come back up later. But this one's wild. Literally says, when the flood comes, the scientists will build Noah's Ark for the elites, leaving the rest to drown. That's what he said. So consider that with the AI Bill of Rights, the digital direction, the bioeconomy, whatever else they're building. The moment that it becomes necessary for them to save themselves over you, what do you think they're going to do? You have a small elite that um, pushes things in its own interests, even if it doesn't benefit the vast majority of the population. This has happened so many times previously in history, and it's probably going to happen again. Um, the, one of the biggest dangers to the planet today is this technological utopia 
because probably for the elite it will work if bad comes to worse then when the flood comes the scientists will build a noah's ark for the elite leaving the rest to drown the rest of the people and then the rest of the of the ecosystem but they are likely to be able to construct this technological noah's ark which is probably what much of the elite is, is counting on now you know you can pretend that he's wrong or that he is making it up or whatever but He's saying this, and he means that. You can just look at his work and see how often he speaks out about these things and, and, and even acts like it's not a big deal. Like, he's just speaking on what he knows and often points out that this is not even necessarily what he wants, but just that what he sees. So I'm not sure what role he's playing, whether, you, you know, I don't know. Either way, it's obvious that that is what's happening. I mean, that's, it's, un, it's if you just take a, a moment to dig past the constant narrative, you will see all of this stuff at some level being openly discussed. It's right in front of you. So here is the World Economic Forum technologists sharing their visions on the future of the world. Our devices will know when we need them, apparently. We can't realistically have 15 smart speakers everywhere we go. And so I, I, one of our big uh, research findings is that we're going to be moving to what we call ambient experiences, which is shorthand for a sort of digital Downton Abbey, where we don't ask Echo, what's the weather, or Google, what's the weather? We just say, what's the weather? And the right... Which, of course, without saying it means that everywhere you go all the time, somebody's listening, whether AI or somebody else. I mean, there's no missing that. If you're, if you're wherever you are, you can do that. There's a system that's constantly recording, listening, me measuring, whatever you want to say, that's there, that's aware. That's crazy. And that's the, if we look at what's happening today, that's essentially where we are with, I mean, algorithms, maybe AI, I'm not sure, but with the, with the government instituting that exact thing. All your text, your phone calls, your internet searches, we know this now. It's all cataloged. They don't even admit, they don't even hide that anymore. So what he's painting for you is that that's the future they're building, where it's ubiquitous. And we can just hope that it's all positive and for a time, if that's even what's happening, because we know power shifts. So let's build our own prison and hope somebody doesn't put us in it. That seems like it makes sense, right? Agent jumps up at the right time to give the right answer. No, it's, I mean, that's, that's the, the, fake utopia they want to paint for you and that's where universal basic income comes from which will be doled out in digital credits and carbon tax kind of discussions and and digital ids and social credit it all comes together that's how this works and that's not my opinion it's openly stated again if you just look at it those that require an understanding of what it means to be human we're getting past the last ten thousand years where we've used humans as robots uh, by and large, engaging only a tiny fraction of human abilities uh, and forcing people into repetitive, tedious, uh, dead-end work for the most part. Um, so the, the age of human robots is over um, and we have to figure out a new age. That means dramatic changes to the structure of our economy and our society. Yeah. Is that what everybody wants? I mean, th th why is that not a question these people have the nerve to ask? As Whitney Webb pointed out a long time ago, as usual, ahead of the curve, about the 
legacy systems that Schmidt and other people were pointing out. And it, it doesn't, wasn't a, a matter of whether you wanted it. They said, we need to do this. So we beat China in the direction of artificial intelligence. So it doesn't matter what you think. Getting rid of cars, per per everyone having their own car, getting rid of things like owning everything. And these are all things they talked about. Whether or not you want that. So it's not about what you want or what's in your best interest. It's about what they need for their control and their preeminence. This is the scary part. And don't forget that Biden's art, uh, executive order for bioeconomy made that very clear. Number three, rewriting the code of life. Why we want that to be something they're able to do is beyond me. Gene editing technology will allow us to redesign whole organisms. And as Biden pointed out, to program them. That was literally verbatim written into the bioeconomy discussion. That they want to be able to program cells. That's your body, man. We're talking about programming life. I don't know why we're okay with this. Enhance every aspect of our existence. Or who can afford it anyway? Material, fashion, zero waste economy. Speaking, we're talking except with gloves and masks and stuff that are going to be necessary. I'm just kidding, really. About improving biology and redesigning organisms for beneficial purposes. It's going to allow us. Okay, again, always the point redesigning organisms for your purposes. Maybe they're beneficial. Why would we trust you? Maybe you mean that and tomorrow you don't. Maybe the next person that steps into control of the system doesn't want that. The point is simply control over organisms. Why we can't realize that it's dual purpose, as they put it, is beyond me. It's obviously usable in any way. It can be a weapon, it can be a control structure, or it can be a utopia. Why we think that's what they want based off their actions before is ridiculous. To not just edit genomes, but also, uh, and importantly, write a new code for life. We'll have right level permissions. We already started to see some of that this year. COVID-19 vaccines, right. they make use of engineered code in the form of messenger RNA. Yeah, right. The code off the computer, not isolated individual virus technology. You know, code sent from China. That was it. There's no denying that anymore. Their own timeline information proves that. By the time they got sent the code, China had already admitted they hadn't isolated at that time. I believe they never did after that still. But the point was they gave them the genetic code. Moderna made their injection. Pfizer made their injection. They were already putting it in people's arms before they, it was just a code from a computer. So why we even argue isolation even matters to them is, is, is crazy. So they're literally admitting what they're doing right there. We are making use of engineering code with these vaccines. I thought it wasn't genetic engineering, though. They make use of engineered code in the form of messenger RNA. Cut out on one of sites and found. What's on the horizon are diminished reality glasses diminished that look very reality. much like what I'm wearing. Um, that would allow you to remove things from your point of view, from your view, whether that's garbage wow. uh, or other people. Think about how crazy that is. So now you're going to start self-censoring your view of the world. So you can start blocking anti-vaxxers or blocking signs you don't like or blocking Republican signs or Democrat signs or what, you know, th that's where that, you know, that's the petty nature of what will happen here. And also on top of that, if it's artificial intelligence, let's not forget that they could influence that. They could block things from your view. Absolutely. Noise canceling windows. It's obvious this is concerning, guys. Obvious. And this is what they're telling you is the future. This is the World Economic Forum. Here's Elon Musk speaking on robots and universal basic income. Elon Musk in 2017. Right. Well, he's going to save you all with Twitter, though, apparently. But even in this even in this discussion, he says, this is not what I want. It's just what I see coming.
2017. Be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. Okay. What to do about mass unemployment? This is going to be a massive social challenge. Of course, that's assuming they roll this out, right? That's why he's, that's what we're talking about. I don't know why that's the assumption. I don't think everybody wants this. Um, and I think ultimately we will have to have some kind of universal basic income. I don't think we're going to have a choice. Universal basic Un- income. Universal basic income. I think it's going to be necessary. So it's mean that unemployed people will be paid across the globe. Yeah. Because there is no job. Machine robots is taking over. Um, that, that's simply the, the. And I want to be clear that these these are not. Uh, things that I think that I wish would happen. These are think, simply things that I think probably will happen. Um, and I, I just my personal opinion, I will argue that even if that is true, what he just said there, he still chose to, he's still chosen to lean into it everywhere he can for his own benefit. So just there's no like he's not part of this. He's clearly with Starlink and everything else. And sure, maybe he doesn't see it. Maybe he doesn't care. Either way you look at it, just because he doesn't want these, as he says, he's still leaning into this everywhere. And since, and if, they, if, if, if my assessment is correct, and they probably will happen, then we need to say, what are we going to do about it? And I think some kind of a universal basic income is going to be necessary. Um, now, the output, the output of goods and services will be extremely high. Um, so with automation, um, they, will, they will come abundance. Um, there will be, uh, almost everything will get very cheap. You know, and these are all the promises they make in everything they do. And I mean, it, it, logically, I argue it makes sense if it is better and faster, whatever else, if that's the case. And if it does implement the way they say it is There's a lot of ifs here, if that's even what they want. But on top of every time anything, GMOs or the injection they just gave everybody, right? They swear up and down. They promise the world. And in fact, with the genetic the GMOs in, in, in India and everywhere else, it dramatically reduced their food supply. It made them more food scarce. It's amazing nobody talks about this today when we have the same people involved in the same agenda pushing genetically modified injections and even right now bringing back up the conversation of genetically modified wheat. I'm going to talk about that probably in the next show. That's Bill Gates. Again, the same person who just dramatically failed people in the very thing they swore would save the world, doing it all over again. Um, the uh, So it's... It, I think the, the biggest. I think we'll just end up doing uh, universal basic income. It's going to be necessary. Um, the, the the harder challenge, much harder challenge, is how do people then have meaning? Like a lot of people, they derive their meaning from their employment. So if that in and of itself is sort of a problem. I mean, you do. People should be able to do what they want. And if you are a kind of person who does and you want to derive your meaning from your work, then so be it. But that's kind of a byproduct of the gross nature of what we are, specifically in the United States. But, you know, that people are just cogs in the machine. And that's all you have to, to lean into for the most part, especially when you work all your life. That's just my personal opinion, though. You don't have, if, if you're not needed, if there's not a need for your labor, how do you, what's the meaning? Do you, do you have meaning? Do you feel useless? These are much, that's a much harder problem to deal with. Now, do, are we going to pretend like the elitists or rich you know, people and the billionaires look at the world that way, that they don't have labor, they don't have meaning? Like, it's just almost like they want you to think like that, that all of you labor, all of you chattel out there need to only take value in the work you do for other people, you know, whatever. It's, it's strange to me. But finally, last few points here. 
Here is what's already happening in China. There's two clips, and then we're going to end with the show today. This is the people in, in China going through the situation that's been built there. The, the artificial intelligence, digital ecosystem, that's exactly what the U.S. government is salivating about right now. It says almost all communities in, Shen, in Shenzhen install the CCP's facial surveillance that you have to use. Swipe your ID, health code. Record when you go out and when you go home, audit can be called at any time. In communist China, going home is stricter than jail. Now, the point is, guys, this is not just COVID-19. This has been the, the, the growing reality in China for a long time. And they're salivating about the exact same thing. So here is now. I've seen, and, and rightly, a lot of people have been talking about this today. China starts enforcing its zero COVID policy with machine guns at this, at the, I'm not from, pronounce the first one, but the airport in Yunnan. People screaming in Chinese, are you going to kill us all? They're all filming. It's crazy. So you can see him right there. They're holding machine guns. That's crazy. I mean, this this has gotten to a very intense level, right? I mean, and it's about controlling your walk into whatever they're creating for you right now. And don't forget, as we as Robert just reported, at the simil- interestingly same time, Israel's now using AI technology to kill Palestinians, weaponizing AI to use weapons to enforce what they're doing. There's We're already here, guys. It's just about whether you choose to stand up and do something about it. So I'll leave you today with a little show that ended up being longer than I wanted for sure with another outstanding video made by Jay Wilderness in regard to the the what's going on uh, collapsing athletes conversation. It, I think it's I think I forget. It's right here. Actually, he calls it what's going on. Volume eight. Please check out his work. He makes a lot of great videos here. He always sends me the newest what's going on because we were kind of connected early on with the, the discussion of the collapsing athletes that everyone was still dismissing, apparently, but that we were ahead of that for the most part. So I'm going to leave you with this with this video just so you can see this has not gone away. It's still happening and understand that COVID-19 and the illusion around it and the injection part of this is going to collide with what's happening. They're going to use this in general. Now, we talked about the foreign policy part of this, the overlap with Ukraine. These things are going to connect. I, I believe that in my bones, but question it. Think for yourselves, but just realize that what you're going to see with these clips is, is, is everywhere. I think everybody sees it, but they're refusing to acknowledge it. And at some point, they're going to have to confront this, like the excess debt discussion. How they use it is the question. But thank you all for being here and continuing to fight against what's happening. Every single day we do this and everything you guys share and every person you talk to, I swear you're saving people's lives. I talk about this with my brother who t- he does the same thing where he'll talk to people and give them a show or give them a source link or, and, and, you know, later on they come back and go like, you know, thank God you showed me that I've changed my perspective. 
And I, I tell them, I say, you save that person's life. You literally save them from what's going on. And I believe that. Now, I could be wrong. I believe that based on the evidence. But you're helping people every day by spreading information, by talking, by posting flyers. You're not alone, guys. And I think we've never seen that. We've, we've never seen that more clearly than right now. I think you're the majority. Stand up, fight back. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I've been into fashion since I can remember. But one day, I had a stomachache so bad, I didn't want to do anything. The team at New York Presbyterian said it was actually my heart. It was severely swollen. Something called myocarditis. But doctors gave me medicines and used machines to control my heartbeat. They saved me. So now I can become the next great fashion designer.
And I got me a friend at last And he don't steal or cheat or drink or lie Well, his name is Codeine He's the nicest thing I've seen And together we're gonna wait around 